just like that, they buy it. They eat it up. You pander to them, you thank them. I mean, really, people, I thought you were a little bit smarter than that. I mean, it's just so easy wow. to say the name of the city. You cheer. Hey, oh, Stephanie, you. Stephanie, you just cheer. I just, mean, just come on. Welcome to the A Show. Welcome to the A Show with the Kings of Pro Wrestling Podcast with myself and Mills. We are here, uh, the 61st episode, the year end episode. We, we made it a year. We made it a year. We made it to another year end episode. Uh, we have a huge, incredibly packed episode. Uh, Mills, how are you feeling? We're a couple days away from Christmas. Well, how are you feeling right now? Um, feeling exhausted from getting a lot of presents for a lot of people and. You know when you're like, okay, you know how they everyone says like, giving is better than receiving. Yeah, I just hope I receive one thing. <laughs> I think you're the, gonna get a lot. You've, you've been a really good person this year for the amount that I gave. I'm not saying that it's qualified. Like it definitely has to, but you know it would be nice. I'm just saying. I gave. I'm giving a lot this year. And of course, we have the RNC Secret Santa, which is in full force. This is true. Um, can't wait to see what people are going to get for that. That's going to be very interesting. Um, I had a work Secret Santa that I, I completely knocked out the park today, and I feel really good about it. I feel, listen, so they, last year, they tried to get me to do Secret Santa at my job, and I said, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> because. I'll be honest. I mean, I don't want to sound cruel, but I don't really know you people like that. Like, mm. not that, like. I there has to be like a certain level of trust with me for me to like <laughs> want to do things for people outside of the things I'm obligated to do because I signed a contract and get paid for it. So I don't have that trust with a lot of people. I'm just going to keep it 100. So I was just like, you know, I said absolutely not. But what did you what did you do? What did you do for Secret Santa? So this was this was lucky because my it's, I've only been in my current job for like a month and a half. So <laughs> I quickly, I guess, jumped all the way out the fucking window and said, Yeah, I'll do Secret Santa. And not knowing literally anybody. So I'm gonna I'm on the opposite uh opposite boat as you. But luckily <laughs> I I was given someone who I had had actually been talking to throughout my month there who loves sneakers as much as I did. Oh, okay. So, but the way that they do it at my job and like my job really thinks that we're like rich gang, like familiar here. Like they do little gifts in lieu of the big gift. So every single week or every day or however many days you want to do it, you could find a gift at your desk. Like my secret Santa was leaving like candy at my desk, like my favorite candies. And they made you fill out a Google sheet so that everyone knew or whoever got you knew what your preferences were, what your likes were. 
So I don't like candy as a gift. I'll be honest with you. It's not a. It's like little. It's little stuff. Little little. All right. It's not like gift as that. Like they they do little things like in the Google sheet. It's like what's your favorite candy? So your secret Santa. It's like clues. As oh, to like, okay. It's okay. clues. It's not like a I've gift. received. I've received many. I remember there's one year at a job that I first started. Probably one of my first like serious jobs. All I got from white people was chocolate. And it was a little chocolate. You was a little chocolate man. That's not it. The chocolate is the most impersonable, impersonable gift that you can get for a person because it just says like, you know what? Everyone likes chocolate. So here you go. Expensive grocery brand chocolate. And the, the fact is, it's like I got one and then I was like, oh, this is nice. And then I got many more after it. And I was like, this is a joke. Yeah, everyone go to hell. Um, well, luckily, I I got a lot of uh, gummy lifesavers and, and chocolate, which was on my list. It wasn't a guest there, so mm-hmm. it was actually there. It was like their favorite movie, your favorite song, if it, all that stuff. Like they would get people with stuff like that. So I, it was hard for me to get my Secret Santa gift because we're we're you know we're into the same things. So I was like. I waited <laughs> the whole month. He probably felt like like he wasn't getting shit. Like he probably felt like he had, he had missed out. But like I got him this uh, the I think Rizzoli uh, Rizzoli they make the Supreme books and stuff like that. Like the, the little co- compendiums. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got him the Nike SB Dunk book, which is like this huge book that basically shows every single dunk that was made ever. And um, it's a really cool gift. I was actually mad that I didn't I didn't get it myself, but um, I got him that. Now. No, <laughs> I also think of such gift, but yes, I I got him the the book of dunks, so to speak, and they it, it got voted like everyone was like this is the best gift of the year right here, and I was like yo I I, I knocked out the park, so good job new guy, pat on the back for me, uh, got myself over today at work, and that felt good. I'm I'm glad because I have no idea. I mean, I got gifts for my coworkers. Um, that I will be giving out tomorrow, but I'm sure. So here's the thing with my coworkers. They try to guess my size every year and every year it's wrong. You're XO. I'm not. I'm an L. I'm an L depending on, all right, if it's slim fit, I'm an XL 100%. Um, otherwise I'm an L. They get it wrong every year. I've gotten medium one year. I've gotten XL this year. I think she tried to slip it in conversation where she was saying something like, um, I was like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not on a diet right now. She's like, yeah, so you're getting bigger, like an XL bigger. And I was just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's all them gym selfies and shit you be taking. I don't, people don't follow me on, I'm a very strict line with work and home. <laughs> don't follow me on the gram. It's public, but don't follow me. I'm sure people will look, but don't follow me. Wow. I'd rather you look than not follow me. I'm, I'm very strict. Listen. What a fucking celebrity here. <laughs> You don't live the life I live. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, speaking of, of, of not living not living that life, uh, a lot of people didn't live that life uh, at TLC on Sunday. A lot of people that didn't. That was a hard segue, but I'm glad hard you committed segue. to it. I'm glad I had to commit to it. A lot you of people the landing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually, you this, this has been like the, this has been the first segue I didn't hit this year. <laughs> you, you think so? Or this is the first no. one I've mentioned? <laughs> no, why? <laughs> you think so? Wow, the shade is fucking flying today. Okay, what would you have said there? What you between you know, gifts? 
I think we all got the gift, you know, a major gift this sun last Sunday at TLC. When there we you got go. You should be the segue ma- guy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Something <laughs> along those lines. You wait, wait. wait. Come, first of all, you have to talk about the gift of me on this podcast and me apparently booking the territory because last week I called Vince McMahon come to Monday Night Raw the following night. Yes, um, you did. It was you all did. there. As soon as we wrapped up the episode, it was all over. Not even soon as maybe like the day after, but it was all over the internet. I'm just like, and I just looked at my mentions. It was like Meals was right, and I was like, listen, get used to it, because it's. Uh, I, I knew it was coming, and it was coming. But you know what, TLC, we had to look forward to still. And yep. what do you think about just overall? Um, I thought it was a solid show. Uh, I, I think WWE's really gotten into the. Uh, the habit of having sh- terrible, terrible TV and then turning around and having a really good pay-per-view. And this was, this was no different. Um, I, I thought that the, for, uh, you know, from the top, uh, a lot of the matches are really, really well done. Um, I think of course, as with every WWE pay-per-view and it's kind of like the same with a lot of like events this year, like the last half of the car, always strong. Um, I really liked uh, Nia Jackson, Ronda Rousey fucking love uh, AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan. Thought it's one of my favorite WWE matches of the year. Uh, and I really love the, the triple threat. I, it wasn't enough as we predicted last week. It wasn't enough to change our rankings, but it's definitely up there. Like top 15 matches of the year to me. Oh yeah. Easily. I mean, to, to me with this card, I feel like the undercard, there's a lot of shenanigans and a lot of things that went on on the undercard that didn't make it so appealing. I mean, um, to me, you know, the Braun Strowman Baron Corbin match was, I think it, you know, it was what it was. Somehow, Wikipedia yeah. says it went 16 minutes. I cannot remember 16 minutes of that, but um, I felt like it. If it, even if it, if they said 16 minutes, I completely believe it. That's how fucking that's how long it felt. I thought the triple threat tag team match was good. Pretty good, yeah. You know, by the books, good. It wasn't like anything spectacular. I think it was by the books. Um, shout out to Carmilla and our truth for winning the match. I thought mm-hmm. Natalia and Ruby Wright had a good match, but I felt like it lacked a still like an. You know what? I felt like it lacked like the emotional depth that you know probably should have came. I thought Natalia should have paused more to really just take in the fact that like, yo, she's really been put through all this hell, and now she's kind of just been like it's kind of like a release or something instead she you know she she powerbomb ruby right through the table and then posed like the terminator so it's kind of like <laughs> she had some dumbass glasses on dog. <laughs> we was like what she has another pair of glasses what was the point of crying the first time well, she, like she, got the, she went to one of those uh she found one of those people that used to do those meet and greets and they signed and greet. <laughs> she probably caught one of the sunglasses from there oh my god and she traveled all the way to Biloxi. And probably got it from somebody that met Jim Neidhart back in the day in the old territories and got one right. of those sunglasses. And it just meant so much that she had to put it on there. So Jesus Christ. But I agree with you. The Ronda Rousey Nijax match, fantastic. For it lasting about eleven minutes, which is probably the the besides the mixed match challenge, the shortest match on the card, it 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 delivered. Um it didn't need to go any longer than that. I thought yeah. it was perfect perfect length. Um I mean the the triple. Th- oh, do, do you want to get to Rollins Ambrose or do you? Rollins Ambrose. Um, damn, what a disappointment, right? Yeah, very very disappointing match. I, I, I haven't have, rewatched it yet, but it's. A, I just remember tuning out in the beginning. So, as you could tell, something wasn't right in the first five minutes. 
Yeah, it just it just didn't for some reason it just didn't hit. I don't know what's the reason. I don't know what I mean. A lot of people said they went for a wrestling match. I f- I felt like it was the story of it was Dean Ambrose wrestling his style of match and Seth Rollins kind of falling into that trap because typically Seth Rollins, this isn't the type of Seth Rollins match that we usually see Mm, where he controls the pace of the match. And he's, you know, we, we didn't see much of him, you know, getting really, really, really busy. Like he tends to do, he tends to pick up the pace of the match. He tends to, you know, a lot of counters, a lot of strikes. Um, We didn't really get that. This was kind of slow and plotting. I was kind of very disappointed, but, you know, Dean Ambrose, Intercontinental Champion, I think we all called it, and I think we all, you know, we're, we're pretty happy with it. Yeah, we're glad. Uh, get Seth away from the belt. Put him in some new uh, – give him some new scenery, so to speak. I, I really enjoyed uh, knowing that he'll be moving on very soon, but I thought the match was not really to where it should have been. I think this is the second time this has happened to Seth. To, I mean, we're not even mentioning the fact that the crowd chanted, this is boring during this that. and just wild. And, you know – I I don't no one does that for anyone else on this show. So it's like I feel like there's a there's a level of expectation from the fans for Seth Rollins matches. And if they don't book if they don't book it where the fans are involved immediately, they are not going to like the match at all. So right. um, I think that was just one of the one of the examples of that, like that and the Dolph Ziggler match from from uh, last summer was where it was like, yo, they they tuned out early and they turned on the match and. For me, I think it's an indictment to Seth as a top guy on the show. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. I think I really think it is. You know, I'm not going to kill him over two bad matches because the man has literally provided for those two matches where people weren't interested. He's provided so many bangers. Um, just even when we talk about on our you know end of the year, we talk about a few Seth Rollins encounters and a few matches and things yeah. like that. So I will totally like. You know, write him off for it, but it, you know, I think everyone has a sort of bad day at the office. I think next time we have this match, it'll pick up. I, I I imagine they'll probably pull a rematch either the first, the first um, the first paper, the first Raw of the year, or maybe like right before Royal Rumble or something. I, I'm hoping it's the first Raw of the year. I just get it over with. You know, to, to end it, end it. Uh, the triple threat. What what more can can we say that, that hasn't been said? Uh, before about this match it's completely one of the most brutal these women on on this roster both shows they they, they're fights they're not like wrestling matches they're fights these women are fighting like they're hitting each other hard like oscar was destroying becky and charlotte with that kendo stick on sunday night it was really really painful to watch um the the spear through the barricade looked legit scary <laughs> Becky falling ass first on Charlotte's sternum. Yes, like I have no clue. I, you know, everyone was worried if Charlotte was going to be healthy. She didn't wrestle on, on Tuesday, but you know, it scary match in a, in a lot of ways. But to, as as a first T, uh, women's TLC match, like how did you feel about it? Do you feel as though it lived up to the to the hype? You know, um, a lot of a lot of it. You know what? I did. I did actually feel like it lived up to the hype. I thought it had a good amount of big spots, which is what we expect from mostly any TLC match. And I thought all three competitors kind of brought it in their own aggressive kind of way. These these women weren't afraid to hit ladders. You know, I don't know how much chairs are actually used in this match. A lot. Um, a lot. Really? All right. I got to look back. I, my brain is blanking. I'm thinking kendo sticks and stuff. Um, but I thought 
all three of them committed to the match, which is something you do in these type of matches where you know you're going through tables, you know you're slamming into ladders, which hurt. You know the chairs are coming. I thought all three of them for the first ever TLC match with the ladies, and it should be a triple threat, which is its own, you know, you know, tiny bit of headaches and have the SmackDown Women's Championship on the line. I thought they did fantastic. I mean, they left moments in that match where you got you you bought into that match. You talk about that spear. That spear was incredible. And the barricade didn't break. And that might have been the best part about it. Yeah. Um, uh, or even and Oscar was so great here. I think Oscar really committed to her character mm-hmm. as being like the sadistic like happy-go-lucky sadistic character like when she flipped becky onto the ladder in the, in the beginning of the match yeah gave me chills i'm like bro that shit looked like it fucking hurt like they were they were killing each other to get this match over and i think that it worked and it really got over even up to the finish which i thought was really well done yeah me too uh, i thought i we knew what was coming we knew something was coming i expected it to be uh nia Jax because earlier in the match or earlier in the night um Becky banged on her. <laughs> she Nijak sold that better than she sold anything all year. I mean, I think her head ran right into whatever that was there. It was like an audible punch. I thought that was fantastic. But yeah, the the final moments of the match were, were you know Becky and Charlotte are climbing up the ladder, and it looks like one of them is going to take home the title. And Ronda Rousey makes her way down. Yeah, pushes pushes over the ladder, and That's, Oscar yeah. Oscar rolls up. Pulls the, pulls the title down and you know it took it took a year but i don't know if the payoff would have been as good if people if it happened the way people wanted it to and the way that even i wanted it to where it was okay she comes in she beat charlotte and that you know that's where the story lies you know it would yeah kind of would have replicated what happened in nxt you know yeah absolutely uh, and uh, I, I really like the fact that Oscar is such a great character that you can heat her up in three weeks, and no one would think, you know, no one would think any 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 of the wiser of it. They 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 loved it. Yeah. Um. So on Monday and and Tuesday we got a shakeup, so to speak, of uh, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Uh, <laughs> there there there. I want to rank the changes if if we can. Okay. Uh, of of both shows, so. Um, on Raw, we got the opening with Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon uh, uh, coming out and basically saying, we're doing away with the way that things were done. You're going to see new faces on the show. Um, there are no more GMs because we are taking over the show. Which and it's going to... Yeah, it's, it's weird because you don't really know if it's going to be Vince every week. I don't think it should be Vince every week. I think we're fine without Vince every week. But um you have Vince, Shane, and Stephanie and Triple H running the show now as babyface both shows. Both shows as babyface commission uh, babyface authority figures, which is also a weird thing. You know, to it's see, kind of see them baby faces. It just seemed like and, and and I'm not crapping on it because this is definitely something different. I think the general manager aspect and while I do think um, Paige was a great general manager. I think just the general manager thing that they've been doing for the last, God, over 15 years now has kind of play, been played out. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it, it, it always ends up in the same sort of deal where it's like the general manager's here and then the overall authority kind of usurps anything that they've sort of done and just brings them out of power. I mean, it's happened to literally every general manager. You've seen Eric Or Bischoff. they turn heel. Or they turn yeah. heel. 
Yeah, or something like that. So it's kind of um, it, it was weird to see. It's weird to see you know Vince McMahon on SmackDown, even though I thought it was just a great look in general for the women um, to have like a Vince McMahon sort of deal where he makes the match and everything like that. I thought that was fantastic. Um, but well, it, get, it, I it's mean, on kind Raw. of weird. Yeah. So on let's Raw, talk about Raw. So on Raw, they had basically Baron Corbin's general manager write off part two on the show yeah. Why? Uh, to I, I guess to hammer home to the fans that this is going to be different and to to be fair i didn't hate it uh i thought it was cool we know we know what this is about we know what this is for we know why they're there we know why they booked the first 30 minutes this way so um i mean first off you have finn balor winning a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> finn balor winning i'd say that's a that's a net good okay that's one, that's one good change Tyler Breeze returned. All right. I mean, against Dean Ambrose. I mean, this is a good two weeks for him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In terms of exposure on WWE television, it's way more exposure that he's had, I'd say, the week before. Sure. So I mean, he had a long match with Dean Ambrose. Pretty good. I mean, to me, it kind of just showed when people ask, uh, What's the, you know, I don't even think people ask what's the difference between NXT and, and WWE, but when you want to look at the stark difference between NXT and WWE, you look at what Tyler Breeze did against the champion, answered the open challenge from Ricochet, and you look at what happened when he answered the open challenge from Dean Ambrose on WWE TV, and that kind of tells you everything you need to know about the priorities and the difference between the companies. But I did like seeing Tyler Breeze on Raw, even though it was in, you know, majeure jobber mode. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's Dean Ambrose's first def- defense. You know, you know what that was going to be. Uh, you have the announcement that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are coming back. I thought that was great. I mean, right sooner on time, I, right? Well, sooner than I thought for Sami, or, or I mean, specifically Sami, because he he was fucked up. He hasn't been gone that long. Both shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's, was was um he's been gone since Owens, like September. Was Owens both knees? Yeah, both knees for Owens too. I I did not expect these two until after Mania. Maybe they're calling back early. Who knows? Yeah, uh, that that's a good thing. Uh, the revival winning. The revival now tag team champions. They're they're not tag team champions. They're contenders. The tag yeah, team champions. They're contenders. facing them next week on a taped episode of Raw. Yes. <laughs> Do they win? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Sorry, I heard spoilers. the match. I heard the match was great. I heard the match was great. So please watch it anyway. Um, yeah. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Spoilers. Um, you probably read it anyway. And then at the end, you had Natalia winning in the main event. Once again, a major. You know, first of all, I thought that was a great match, just in general, the gauntlet match. Really loved um, it. I did not like the complaining about it. I think everyone just. Everyone is continue. I think people aren't used to like. Or aren't still aren't accepting like Bailey's role, Sasha's role, and everything like that. But also, it's kind of you. It's what you talked about. I mean, racing Ronda Rousey versus Sasha Banks on a show that no one's gonna watch. Mm-hmm. Come on, that like, makes sense. Yeah, be real. Like, be real with yourself. Like, would you? Are you gonna be tuning in on Christmas Eve to watch that? Absolutely not. I, I'm gonna DVR yeah. it. I'll watch it later. I'm watching, but, so but I probably <laughs> but won't know, like. You know, I, probably, I don't. I probably won't watch it live. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like they want to save that match. And I know Sasha's 2018 hasn't been up to what people wanted it to be, but there have been a lot of reshuffling. Like, I take it as there's been a lot of reshuffling. I think I do agree that I think that not turning at least one of them or not turning Sasha in this case was probably a bad idea. But her working with Bailey, you know, has been a net positive because it's kept them both on TV every single week. This is true. But I do feel like they need to turn at least one of them at this point. Well, they can't now if they if they want to do a horsewoman. They got to keep them where they are. They got to turn one of them, man. It's 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 like to me, in my opinion, like you look at what's happening on SmackDown, and then you look at what's happening on Raw, and they were kind of in similar situations over the past year. But one kind of went in a direction that was that built and added a whole lot of layers and character development to two of them, and then they kind of. On, on Monday Night Raw, they were kind of thinking about it, and then it looks like they had cold feet, and then they kind of pulled back, and now they're kind of in this kind of stagnant position where they're just kind of having these – they're just known for being really, really good instead of, like, being really, really good. Yeah. So I feel um, like it, it's, like, something that needs to happen, at least. I mean, the, to me, these are women who are the premier stars of this division – and while there are a lot of more, lot more women coming in, which I do appreciate because I do feel like Sasha Bailey have had their time on top. Yeah, all careers have peaks and valleys, but they but they have had a, a sizable time on top. Um, it's time to heat them back up again. They're they're the best for a reason, honestly. You could do it's the Oscar thing with them, honestly. I don't think they'll have a, as hard a time as Becky did, where you had to actually like fully go where they went this year with her, right? Which is completely organic. Not complaining. Not saying they went anywhere bad, but with Sasha, it takes one turn and everyone will react accordingly. I wouldn't. I would move Sasha away from Bailey if there was going to be a turn. Mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have her heel on Bailey at this point. It's just. It just wouldn't make sense to me. Because they had a chance to do that in January, February, March, and they didn't do it. I would have, I would move her off the show or move Bailey off the show to do right. that. Um, but I do think that they're, they're going to keep them where they're at for the Horsewoman feud and then spin them off from that. Uh, let's go to SmackDown really quick before we talk about the call-ups. Mm-hmm. So with SmackDown, there was a, they, they appeared again on, on SmackDown. Uh, relieved Paige of her duties, but on this episode did not reveal uh, what she would be doing on the show. Hey. R.I.P. Page, General Manager Page, man. Uh, this, 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 this run, yeah, there you go. This run started controversial. I think Page ended up being absolutely the best GM in probably 10 years on the show. She was booked strong. Like, she was booked to be not an idiot, and she very rarely got the drop on her. Like, no one, no one ever really got the drop on her. Very rarely was she ever, like, fooled by something somebody did. Right. And I think that's just the mark of true good writing for a GM character that we just hadn't seen before. And I think all of them should have been written like that. And they, they're not always done that way. Uh, but I, you know, a lot of people have a problem with moving her to the side for the McMahons. You know what this is. <laughs> Stop complaining. You know what this is. You already know why the McMahons are on the show again. Come on. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's that time again. Uh, Vince McMahon, we mentioned it earlier, Vince McMahon coming out, announcing new opportunities. No more immediate rematches how do you feel about that i like it i'm so glad i'm so glad they're doing away with the rematch clause thank you god that means that you know what we mentioned it earlier we might not see seth and dean again for the title because they're doing away with this rule 
I like it. I think it's something that they depended on for so many, so many, so many, so many, so many years. Yeah. So many years. Um, it made great TV in the 90s uh, when you had the Monday Night Wars and it's like, oh, man, the Raw after a pay-per-view. Oh, you're getting the pay-per-view main event tonight. What? But now it's kind of like, oh, we're getting this again. Because yeah. at this point, you at this point when you use a rematch clause, you've already seen the match like four times. Absolutely. So it's kind of like you know, it's a it, it was interesting. I like the I like the Naomi Oscar opener. Yeah, it was a and, and I'm like as I was saying, you know, new opportunities gave the new opportunity or or opportunity to Naomi, who's been lobbying for a title shot and who's been lobbying for TV time, and gave her a really good twelve minute match with Oscar, which I I really enjoyed. I, I enjoyed the match a lot. I liked it. I thought Naomi was a little bit off, but I did like it overall. But a little bit, she needed to. I feel like she needed to like slow down a little bit. Like because even Oscar was kind of like missing her at, at no, certain points. I thought. Um, I thought it just facially, visually, she didn't look into. She looked very tepid or like afraid. It wasn't like the fire that she normally gets when she's like fighting from under. It was kind of weird with her facial expression. Um, uh, but more, yeah, I mean. I still think that even like the counter stuff they did was really cool. If if not a little bit, it wasn't as crisp as obviously a Becky or Charlotte would have been in there. Right. But I thought it was really really cool. I love the uh, the fight at the end with Naomi trying to get out of the the Oscar lock. I really love that because you don't see that enough with mm-hmm. submission finishers. And they spent the good one or two minutes trying to you know get over the Oscar lock is something where like if you're put in it, it's over. Right. Um. Very strong win for Oscar. I think we're going to see a lot of title defenses from her. I'm completely happy with her being the champion. I think we predicted it when she won the, the battle Royal a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. This is where she, this is where she should be at right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. I had a smile on my face the whole, the whole night watching SmackDown. Um, more, more changes. Let's, let's rate them. So thumbs up for those segments. Thumbs up for the women right now. Right. Uh, how do you feel about the Miz? Just, just really quickly. Miz is just, I don't know. Miz is I have just no doing clue stuff. what they're doing. Yeah, I have no, no idea. clue what they're doing. Something. He's just doing stuff. Um, I'm glad he's on TV. That's all I care about. Um, uh, um, I'll, I'll get to this next one last. Um, the Good Brothers back on TV and Sanity back on Listen, TV. Listen, the shakeup of the tag team division. Uh, Thumbs like up for it. that. Yeah. Thumbs up I, for that. Um, Sanity has been dormant for way too long. I think, you know, I'm not going to say they're too talented not to be on TV, but I do think they bring a different dynamic to SmackDown than, you know, the Usos bar new day who have been kind of staples in the tag team division for the last five years. Yeah. Um, they've all traded titles with one another at some point of, you know, in their careers. And I think it's just, you know, I think it's time we see new tag teams and, you know, the good brothers, Gallows and Anderson and sanity. Um, I'm sure the bludgeon brothers will be returning sooner than later. Yes. I don't know about that. <laughs> Rowan, so, Rowan's, Rowan's pretty hurt. Big Rowan. Damn. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure they'll pair, <laughs> they'll call up, <laughs> call well, up, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, we have Rusev and Nakamura next week for the U.S. title. And um, I think if you're a Rusev fan, you should definitely watch next week's SmackDown. So I say thumbs up on that. Oh, uh, wow. Pre- I didn't read SmackDown spoilers. Should I? Wait a minute. <laughs> preemptively thumbs up for that. Um, okay. And then you have, I mean, well, well God damn it, pal. Mustafa Ali, the new addition to SmackDown, already shaking things up, uh, pinning Daniel Bryan on this show, but already and and he and Andre uh, Andrade Almas on the show. I love it so much. Yeah, 
I'm so, so happy good. for him. He deserves all. He deserves all the good things. I mean, so Mustafa good. Ali for me. Um, Breakout star of the year. Breakout star of 2018 to me. He he might be. I mean, listen, we talked about it. We had our list earlier this year of, you know, the top 10 um, acts in WWE at that point for the year. And I think the, the only thing that we talked about that we was like, oh, this is such a mistake was, man, we forgot. Mustafa Ali or really any of the 205 Live guys because they've been really killing it with these great matches. Yeah. And it, it seems like they're rewarding him. It seems like Daniel Bryan uh, really, you know. He likes the guy. Work, yeah, likes working with him, loves working with him. The fact he's in the main event on his second show on the card and he even got a pin on the WWE champion, it's just big. Um, but they're he, also also weird. They're building up a baby face strongly. It's, it's, it's unheard of. Is this the shakeup? Is this what we? <laughs> I, I I mean, is I, logic I the shakeup. I love it. I I think that of the two shows, I I did enjoy SmackDown a little bit more this week. But neither show was bad to me this week. Yeah. Neither show. Yeah, both shows were, were really good to me. I I think Mustafa Ali gives the, gives SmackDown the spark it needs, and it also balances out the face heel dynamic. So it gives them another face that can work against the Nakamuras. Um, and everyone else on, on, on the roster, especially the, the um, like Almas. Almas was, because remember, we were trying to figure out where to place Almas because Nakamura is a, a heel and Ray seems to be doing whatever the fuck, you know? So right. it's like we, we needed to place everyone somewhere. I, I don't even think Ray's on the show this week. No. No, he's not on the show. Recovering from surfboarding on a damn chair. <laughs> but uh, one, one last thing before we move on to our the beginning of our year end list, which we have, we have quite a bit of, of categories we have to get through tonight. Um, there are a couple of call-ups, you know, on top of Lars Sullivan that were just randomly announced on Raw. <laughs> so, uh, Lars Sullivan, of course, as we already know, is coming to the main roster, as well as Lacey Evans, Heavy Machinery, Nikki Cross, and EC3. They made it, they're making them a big deal. They gave them a, a vignette, so on, on both shows. Um, right now, I want to know, Mules, where do you think each one of these people, you know, each one of these acts are going? So, we have... We have well, how many? How many acts we have? One, two, three, five. four, five. We have five acts. So obviously, it's going to be a little bit unbalanced. I think I think three of them are going to Raw. I'll just go ahead and say that right now because that's just how they do things. But uh, where where do you think who who's going where? So if I had to pick, I'd pick Lars Sullivan going to Monday nights. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he just seems someone. But you know what? There is a. You know what? There's a. The monster quote on SmackDown has been filled by Samoa Joe, and I don't really want that kind of touch. So I'm going with Lars Sullivan on Monday nights. I'm going with EC3 Monday nights. Okay. Uh, um, I'm going with Lacey Evans Monday nights. Okay. And I'm going with Heavy Machinery on SmackDown and Nikki Cross on SmackDown, I guess. Um, that's really interesting because... I could see I, I've actually changed my opinion on things, but it's like I don't I think what they got on SmackDown is so perfect right now. The only thing SmackDown needs is another tag team. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I, I feel like here's the thing. SmackDown's only two hours. That's what I'm saying. And and it's just like they have tag teams. They have the teams. It's just whether they're using them enough or interchangeably. But at this point, we've also seen all types of combinations between all the teams. Um but to me, a team like Otis and Tucker Knight is not the answer. To me, that's a raw tag team. It just feels like it. It feels like they're the number one contenders for the championship in like two months. 
Like, and they're facing AOP. Like they could be facing AOP and having bangers to me. Right. Right. And I think they have more, you know, they're, I think they just have more experience with facing those team on Monday nights. Um, to me, yeah, just to me, I mean, I could see, I could see them having great, you know, great segments on Monday nights. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to be controversial here. I think, okay, Lars Raw, yes. I say Lacey goes to SmackDown, EC3 to Raw, Heavy Machinery to SmackDown, and Nikki to Raw. I like Lacey Evans on Monday nights. I really do think that Lacey could easily pair up with any of the heels on, on the SmackDown side, and I think they, they want to pair her with a vet like uh, – and it, this could go either way. This is what I think. They could pair her with like a Naomi or something as a first program. Um, I think but it I makes – Couldn't you also see Lacey Evans punching Bailey in the mouth and just absolutely. like – First one on Monday nights is just like she socks Bailey in the lip. I think, so she gets, I think she gets more stagnant on Raw though because you've got Ronda. But I mean, are we, are we really like pushing the needle for Lacey Evans? I feel like Lacey Evans finds her way nonetheless. I feel like Monday night – I don't think it's the final destination for her, but I do feel like it's the beginning of the story. I think she gets more out of I think she gets more out of a roster with Charlotte, Becky, and Oscar on it currently. To me, I feel like you know what part of it's also I don't feel like Lacey Evans is someone that they're pushing or have the idea to push real hard right now. Well, we I feel like said Lacey, that about Alexa. I didn't say that about Alexa. Um, I feel like, but I feel like Lacey Evans isn't currently like she's not currently in the plan. So she's okay still being like just another person on Monday nights to maybe Ember Moon faces or Bailey and Sasha or someone new because they've also gone through all of the people that they're supposed to fight with. I feel like Nikki Cross adds a different element to SmackDown, a kind of crazy, a kind of manic, a kind of um, fun loving, you know, sort of vibe. To SmackDown, I think she'll, you know, and she's also with Sanity, so it also comes to the point where it's like, I if you don't have time, her, I think for her, they split her. But it's also the thing of like, if you don't have time for her in the division right now, she can still be used as a part of Sanity, and she still works with a part of as a part of Sanity. I think they're gonna split Sanity. I don't think they see. I think they see a lot in Nikki, but they don't see a lot in those other dudes. Mm. I think you put Nikki on Raw automatically you put her against Ember automatically she's against or, or Alexa or, or anyone else on, on that roster. It would work. I think Nikki's a one of a kind talent where she's she, like her face run in NXT has worked because she's literally not even different from her heel run. She's just a lot more zanier. Yeah. I think she's really, really good. And I think this, this could really come across as like, there is no chaotic neutral on raw, like chaotic female on raw. There are, yeah. there are a bunch of personalities on SmackDown where I do feel like Nikki would get lost in the in the sauce in a way that Lacey wouldn't because she'd still be learning. I don't know. Because I feel like, listen, you have on SmackDown, you have the Iconics that uh, Nikki Cross can go up against. You have also Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville that she can go up against. And eventually she gets the Beckys and eventually she uh, gets it off. I feel like one of those are turning. I feel like Sonya or Mandy are going to turn. I think probably Sonya is probably going to turn too. Mm. I, just, I don't know. I see more worth for her. I see more in big picture worth. I see more worth for her on SmackDown than Raw. Raw, I understand. But then Raw, she's also like, talk about stagnant. She's not getting a title shot. 
if she's on Raw. Oh man, Nikki and, and Ronda would be a banger. I think it would happen because that's another person, that's another woman who's been on the scene, who is has been around and could have a great match with Ronda, even in a loss. Yeah. They should have a great match. But uh, what, but what of EC3? EC3, I just you know honestly EC3 fits anywhere. I mean, yeah, I don't. Yeah, he's very malleable. Yeah, but also it's also like. How big of a factor does he plan to be? You know, he's kind of like an archetype of the old WWE, um, and or at least the the one of earlier in the decade, or maybe more so last decade. So he's kind of like that. So it's kind of weird. It's kind of interesting to see where he's going to fit in. I honestly think um, Raw because Raw needs more. Raw has the opportunity to give him more television time, and I think more television time is very key to ec3's growth i don't want to see it but i think if you bring him to raw dean ambrose he's got a dancing partner with dean like i don't want to see that match at all i think what dean showed me on sunday was that like he is the same old dean like i think we get ec3 and baron corbin <laughs> right off the rip like oh, it, man it just feels like that it just feels like one of those you know things but then it's you know I'm happy for him because this is literally the first time he's actually been called up. Yeah. Like he's been featured on SmackDown before, but he's never actually got the full call up, the full presentation. So I'm kind of happy wherever he goes at this point. Yeah, very, very happy for him. I, I think, you know, it's a long time coming. As I said, he didn't need to be in NXT as long as he did right. or long, as long as he was. I think he, he was very wasted down there. I don't think that he meshed very well with like the the indie guys there. Like I felt like his his style is... And it was like this an impact. His style is very WWE. And yeah. I think he's going to excel in those matches, those quick seven-minute TV matches that they have. I think he'll do well on either brand. Mm-hmm. I think he'll have I think he'll have a really great time, you know, a really great um run down there. I think he could fit into like a big man, like John Cena style match, where it's like, you know, you'll have like the great AJ Styles. Oh man, EC3 AJ Styles, bro. That'll be crazy. I don't know if it's gonna happen. That would go crazy though. Ah, whatever. So yeah, those, those <laughs> that was that was our thought uh, at or our thoughts on the shakeups of Raw and SmackDown. We're gonna get into the year in talk here. Are you ready, Meals? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. We we have a special guest uh, that, we're, that we are currently waiting for. Uh, I, I think he'll pop in at any time while we're talking. But uh, we'll we'll take a break and then we'll come back and see if he comes back. But um, let let's start off with. Are, you want to start with wrestler of the year? Or do you want to start with like our most memorable moment and work that work our way up? Let's talk about most memorable. You know what? Actually, let's start off with wrestler of the year. Cool, cool. Uh, so last year, wrestler of the year, twenty seventeen. Male wrestler of the year, at least. Male wrestler, yes. We will do female wrestler at the end of the show. Um, our favorite male wrestler of the year. Uh, last year, you picked AJ Styles, and your runner-up was Roman Reigns. Oh wait, did I do? Whew. Yeah. Uh, th- and, and I picked uh, my winner last year was Kenny Omega, and my runner-up was Roman Reigns. Uh, this year, what? Who was your runner-up, Mills? Ooh, for Wrestler of the Year, I'm gonna go with. I might. You see, all right. So to me, there's only two choices, and I think we, uh, judging by the spreadsheet, we've covered them both. Right. So I think we just need to talk about it. Okay. Um, because my runner-up is Johnny Gargano. Okay. Um, Johnny Gargano, to me, just great matches, great story, great development, great, you know, 
just keep pushing and pushing and pushing through that through NXT. I think he's just had a great development over the last year. This has really been this. I don't think there's been any year in professional wrestling where Johnny Gargano has been better than he is now. No, no, I, I absolutely uh, agree. He's your runner up. Right? He's my runner up. He's your runner up. I got to argue with you there because uh, I, I know who your winner is. But um, my my runner up. This is this is gonna be like super super. Can I? You know what? Can I? Can I change my runner up? Yeah. My runner up was initially was initially gonna be Charlotte Flair for the for the for the laughs. And I I want to pick Tanahashi because of course when we first did this we were picking we we didn't de- we didn't delineate between male and female so like we both kind of had females right. <laughs> and then we went ahead and did female wrestler of the year <clears throat> so I I'm gonna change it uh, to Hiroshi Tanahashi just on the fly here um, I went back and watched a lot of his matches I think they're just fucking incredible he's he's a guy that you know pushing forty at least um has and, and injured this guy's always hurt he's been able to put on he's he's been able to put on some fucking incredible uh matches he's had a five-star match this year in my opinion um at his age and i think there's nobody in new japan right now that's like really fucking with him as far as just match quality i have to go with hiroshi, hiroshi tanahashi as i replace charlotte flair and take her to another conversation that we're going to have later in the show now is there any you know for 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 joe schmo like me um you know who, who you know very light in the new japan world um any matches you would recommend from this year that you feel like just holds up the 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 idea of the runner-up that could potentially even maybe push him arguably for you know wrestler of the year obviously we have to talk about this year's g1 uh the g1 final against uh kode Bushi, which is one of the one of the most amazing matches i've ever seen in, in you know in my life uh, I thought that his just the fight that he showed there and just t- and, and Kode Bushi just being completely game for it was amazing. Um, I also have to talk about his match with Okada from this year that I thought was very, very solid. Really liked that match a lot. Uh, I, I loved his match against uh, Zach, Sh- Zach Sabre Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Sakura Genesis. That was a great match this year. Uh, and you also have, there was, a, there was another fucking, oh, they, he had a, a couple of really great tag matches as well this year. It's too many to name that I that I really really enjoyed as well. Um, again, strong twenty eighteen for him, no doubt about it. Uh, I, I think I think Tanahashi has has really for someone to to be this this old. I mean, the guy's like forty two years old, right? And he's 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 still putting on top tier matches like this. He is the Japanese John Cena. He is the man, and wow. I, I have to I have to give him my runner up for this year. Uh, just, there's just nobody better in New Japan to me. Oof. Wow. Okay. I'll th- you know, <laughs> I'm saying this like, yo, I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> but my wrestler of the year, I mean, my male wrestler of the year has to be Seth Rollins. Indeed. I mean, that's the guy who I picked. That's the guy who I've been running with for the last 365 days. That's the guy who's been running with me for the last 365 days. And I think, you know, somewhere, somewhere in 2017, after coming back from his injury and then suffering another one, I think there was a lot of trepidation in the way he handled things going into matches. I don't think we saw, you know, the in his prime WWE champion, the architect Seth Rollins that he kind of like delivered throughout 2015, where he was having these great matches against Sting and John Cena and, 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 and you know, Daniel Bryan and a lot of different other people just 
going through that. But I think he's managed to find everything back in 2018. From the moment of that gauntlet match on Monday Night Raw that went two hours and that performance, I think that performance instilled within him a lot of confidence because he proved to be not only just the Iron Man of WWE, but he proved to be arguably the most capable worker. The man worked with everybody in that match. And and from throughout his year, I mean, he wasn't WWE champion, universal champion, but I do mm-hmm. think eventually he would have contended for that. But the Intercontinental Championship, I think that's something that he's elevated. He won it at WrestleMania, had a great match there. He had a great match against The Miz at the following pay-per-view. He's had oh, great Lord. matches. <laughs> Dolph Ziggler and oh, – oh, come on. Um, Dolph Ziggler – Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor, pretty much everyone on Monday Night Raw. He's been the highlight of Monday Night. And I, I gotta hold you to task. I gotta hold you to task. But why you say this, that? This is after I I, na- I have to name my wrestler of the year. So my wrestler of the year, Johnny Gargano, undisputedly. Okay, it's got to be Johnny. I think I I want to know your thought process, knowing that Johnny has put on, and I know you haven't thought that one of the matches that he had against Champa was exactly a five star. Mm-hmm. But the run, just the run in general, from almost the Champa matches, even the Velveteen matches, uh, the Alistair match uh, that he had at Takeover War Games, his run has been to me damn near spot spotless. Seth has had off weeks; he's had off events. He just had an off match on Sunday. What, in your opinion, puts Seth Rollins over Johnny Gargano? And, and that, that's what I want to know. It's volume, ain't it? Because it's Monday night. The man is doing it consistently at a high level, literally every Monday night, or literally almost every week. He's had two bad matches per year. I, I think I don't see any superstar who really, really does. And I think with, in NXT, you're he's getting, had a whatever. He had a whatever match with Elias. I think time. with, I, nonetheless, I think with within the NXT scope, we look at things a lot differently than we do on the WWE. A good match is a good match, though. A right good on, match 100%. Match. 100%. But we look at things a lot differently, considering the fact that on, on Monday nights, we watch these same people every week. On, on, on NXT, you may not see these matches. I mean, Johnny Gargano may go three, four weeks without a match before having a banger of a match. Like, it, that's kind of how it is. To me, Seth Rollins has delivered on a pure volume level where he's literally been giving match of the year candidates Every if you run down WWE's match of the year candidates, I think you'll definitely see Johnny Gargano and Andre Cien Almas at on top. Don't get Absolutely. me wrong. Absolutely, yeah. But I don't think there, there's no match. Like, like here's my here's my question. To you. you will see question Seth you. Rollins oh, more times. You'll que- see Johnny here's Gargano. My question, here's my question to you. Here's my question to you. Do you think that anyone is going to put any of those Seth Rollins matches over Almas Gargano this year? No, but how many amazing matches has Seth Rollins had this year? Not as many, not as many that I can name as I could. He, he had like ten Finn Balor matches, and all of them were great. They were the same match. No, don't get me wrong. They weren't the same match, but all of them either. Whether that is that they were all great in their own sort of right to manage. Like we're we're going to be talking about Finn Seth matches later on in the show. One hundred percent. But it's uh, <laughs> but again, and, and, and we talk about. We talk about both of those matches and we talk about, you know, multiple matches. We talk about Seth Rollins. I mean, Seth has thing. really good. Seth has really good TV matches, Mills. He doesn't Seth have Rollins really had, good pay-per-view matches. He doesn't. Talking about? Have you seen his match at WrestleMania? Have I you watched, seen his match watched, at Backlash? His, his, his match at WrestleMania was four stars. Oscar and Charlotte was five. Right. Here's what the thing. 
backlash. I'm talking about on a pure volume level. You can't deny Seth Rollins. I don't want to hearing denying Seth Rollins because um, Johnny Gargano has had six, seven amazing matches on NXT this year, which have been great. But Seth Rollins is having Perfect. to compete. But Seth Rollins has to compete every Monday night. It's Perfect a different stage. Perfect match. Seth Rollins will not have a perfect match on the WWE every again, Monday night. Again, I ask you, again, again, I ask you it, are you putting it, anything that, but, that Seth Rollins not, did this year over Johnny Gargano? That's what I'm asking no, you. But okay, then. Here's okay. what I'll tell you. No, here's what I'll tell you, though. Here's what I'll tell you. On NXT, you're giving way more liberty than you get in WWE. And you I'm know counting that. matches. I'm counting matches. I'm counting matches as well. And I'm not talking talk, about the shows. And if you talk about top 50 matches, I'm sure you will see more Seth Rollins matches than you will see Johnny Gargano matches. All right. Well, my Johnny Gargano, I mean, Johnny Gargano is great. And he's my runner up for a reason. Here's my, here's, here's the intangibles that we're not mentioning. And these are going to go into my reason why I picked them. Story, Mm -hmm. character, Mm -hmm. even down to the, the acting that I felt again. And we're going to talk about this when we talk about like our, our feuds of the year and stuff like that. Like it did get long in the tooth. But I feel as though just to, for the sake of how the, long in the tooth it is. For the sake, but hold on, but hold on. We're talking positivity here, okay? Like I'm talking positive here. Sure. The, the acting better than Seth. Okay. Uh, the matches better than Seth. Okay. Um, not only that, I think that Johnny just as as a character, his his trials and tribulations, the loser leaves NXT thing, w- way more compelling storyline. Yes, he was off TV, but even when you when you count the the storyline with the almost match where he was unsure of himself that he could even win the match. He was unsure of himself. He was getting still fooled by the T-shirt, all that stuff. All these things congealed into a perfect storyline. Johnny, to me, had one of the greatest arcs of the first eight months of the year that everyone was talking about. Seth Rollins did have a great year. He is in my top 10. He is not the best wrestler, the best male wrestler of the year to me. He's not even the best wrestler in WWE as far as a male to me. That is Johnny Gargano. And I would still put, I'd still put maybe even like Alistair over him. If he was kind of keep it a hundred. Wow. Okay. Listen, Seth Rollins every week, whether it's in the NXT. That's your, ar- your, your only argument is every week. <laughs> My argument is every week because it stands. It's every week. And you know, Johnny Gargano isn't every week. Imagine the volume of matches he's having over a course of time every week. He's he's the star. He's the highlight of every Monday night raw. This man is putting up 40 points every Monday night. Johnny Gargano puts up amazing scores every, you know, every so weeks. But at the same time, it's like, you know, he doesn't have to do it on 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 a weekly basis. Th- that changes the perception of how we see things. That changes the perception of how things are, especially in the WWE and NXT, where you know that Velveteen Dream, a, a character like Velveteen Dream, is giving the liberty to have these amazing matches. Or, or even, I'll say this, Andrade Cianamas, having these amazing five-star matches in NXT, but isn't given that same liberty on the WWE television. And you know it's just different. It's just different. I'm not holding that against, or and I'm not holding, I'm not holding that, that against. Advantage. But it's just a, it's a it's a difference. It's a major difference. It's a major difference in how we perceive a lot of different things. He don't he don't got a better match than the wrestler of the year. That's period. Point blank. He don't got a better match than Johnny. You know what? He doesn't have a five star match this he year, doesn't. according to Melzer. According to anybody in the fucking world, Melzer. <laughs> <that's laughs> <talking about. laughs> according to Melzer, but you know what? I think Seth Rollins. I can't even deny it, man. Okay, all right. I can't deny it. I can't deny it. 
Uh, we're going to get to another, our, our, our next category here. Uh, guilty pleasure of the year. And this is like a, a something that we watch, the show, whether it be a show, a I wrestler. I did not know it could be a show. It could be so. anything. It could be anything. I did not know. So <laughs> I just want to preface that. I did not know. Well, we didn't even fill it out. You didn't even fill it out last year. So <laughs> I didn't know it could be a show. So I'm you just going to change it right now. You can change it right now. I'm not going to change it. Okay. I like who I like. <laughs> okay, so uh, guilty pleasure of the year. I I think I picked two shows, and you picked two wrestlers. I did. Uh, my runner-up was Impact Wrestling. Uh, I think in the last half of the year, I've been watching. You know, intermittently, I watch the TV. Uh, you know, when I'm bored or I, I'm like cleaning the house or something like that. Mm-hmm. Impact Wrestling actually has really like some weeks that has really solid TV, but their pay-per-views are actually very very good. Um, I I really enjoyed Slammiversary this year. I actually have Slammiversary in my top ten pay-per-views. I think the roster. Is that the man, one where Austin Aries got up after the end of the match and walked yes, off? Yes. Uh, Actually, no, 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 no. I don't think that was one. No, no, no. Maybe that was Bound for Glory. Am I, am I getting it? It was Bound for Glory. It was Bound for Glory. Slammiversary is where he faced. Um, Slammiversary is where he where he faced Moose, I believe, and and won. This was the uh, Bound for Glory is where he faced Johnny Impact. Yeah, it was. It was the the Moose Aries match was also really really good. That had uh, Sammy Callahan and Pentagon in that in that street fight. Right, they had right. the, the LAX and the OGs match, which was which was super brutal. And they had that really great uh, match with Ishimori and Phoenix and Johnny Impact uh, and Petey Williams in it. Really really good show. Uh, but that but I think I think you know for as much as we rag on Impact, I don't feel like I showed enough love even on this this very show. So I gotta say this year. I got I to gotta show my love to Impact Wrestling. They, they really did a good job this year. Who was your runner-up, Mills? So I'll, I'll preface again this. I did not know it could be a thing. It could be anything. Wrestling. All right. Well, here's the – I'm just prefacing. Um, my runner-up is Dakota Kai. I like Dakota Kai. I think she's I think she's a great character on NXT. It reminds me of Bailey. It reminds me of, you know, just a character who's just like – she clearly has some sort of like – especially with the versus the Shayna Baszler thing – where she's, you know, afraid. You know what? I'll, I'll change my runner-up. Okay. My, my runner-up, and, and I like Dakota Kai, and she was also featured in this. It might be the Mae Young Classic, too. Okay, yeah. That was fantastic. And was I wanted show. to talk about it all. It was fantastic. Like, throughout the entire, it might be my guilty pleasure of the year just overall, but it's it, it was fantastic. Just talking about the Mae Young Classic, too. I mean, a major step up from the first one um and to me presented a lot of characters presented a lot of stories presented a lot of amazing matches that we have not seen in in quite some time from the women so i thought and and to me arguably one of the best women's matches of the year took place in that tournament it might be top two Mm -hmm. absolutely Um, between Mako Satomura and Mercedes Martinez. Love that match. So it's a, I'm going to go, yeah, May Young Classic too. All right. So my winner uh, for Guilty Pleasure of the Year, it's, it's, and it shouldn't be guilty. 2019, this isn't guilty anymore. We're not guilty about this. I mean, it's not really on TV, so you kind of have to like go out your way to watch it. But yes. It ain't guilty. Uh, 205 Live, I think undoubtedly even if it even if it doesn't get the love it deserves this they were putting on bangers from the moment that the show got um you know kind of rebranded as as kind of like no more silly gimmicks no more powerpoint presentations this is pure wrestling and they they did that 
Um, I, I think it gave the talent a lot of chances to shine. The introduction of like people like Leo Rush or the actual tournament they had for the cruiserweight uh, the cruiserweight title. They had people like Roger Strong come in and you know have really great matches with Hideo Itami and stuff like that. Like this show went from a, uh, are we going to review it to a did you see it? You know, and you know midway through the year it actually changed. Uh, days so now it comes on Wednesdays before NXT and I think it's an even better slot for the show because you watch that in the NXT and you actually get more you know I, I just love the show and, and having more context into it and having a, a better opportunity to watch instead of Tuesday at like fucking 11 o'clock is a way better opportunity or a way better thing than uh, you know than people really really took it for and I think 205 Live is, is something that again you, you see where Mustafa Ali is right and I think there's an opportunity for these people to move up in a in a way bigger way than than NXT guys because they actually get that they get that crowd you know they get the crowds from those shows behind them already. So um, two or five lives make guilty pleasure. Next year it will not be a guilty pleasure. It might be one of the best shows of the year. I'll take your word for it. Uh, Christ. <laughs> I mean, I like two or five. It's just I barely watch it. I like I barely, barely, barely watch it. Um, my guilty pleasure of the year, I guess I would say, and I just changed this on the spot. Um, Paige is GM. I was wrong. I was wrong. Big wrong. I was wrong. That's just, one of our top. We didn't. We didn't do like our top argument of the year either. No, nah, we're not going to do that. All these arguments are silly. All these arguments are things <laughs> we shouldn't argue about, and we end up arguing about it anyway. I feel like the Seth Rollins Johnny Gargano argument is literally legitimately the most insightful argument that we've had all year because everything else has been. What do you mean they? The not Oscar like. <laughs> so I'm gonna say I was wrong about Paige. Uh, I'll say this to Paige. Paige was an amazing GM. We talked about it a little bit early in the month, but it's just early in the show at least. Um, just someone who was sensible, someone who didn't take mess, someone who, you know, handled stuff accordingly, made a great matches, understood everything that really needs to be. And the people were just generally behind her because they like Paige and they right. love Paige unabashedly. And they kind of like it's a shame of what she had to go through this year because she did retire in the ring this year after returning. I think it was late last year. Um so it's a shame that she had to go through that situation. And there's a lot of things up in the air as to whether she'll be in a match or whether she was not. And I just remember her with absolution. She was just in their corner and, and, and everyone was wondering, will she return to WrestleMania and things like that? But, you know, I'm glad that I was wrong and I'm glad that she's kind of found her own sort of niche in WWE. And it's kind of sucks now saying this in retrospect because uh, she's no longer the general manager and, It'll just it'll be interesting to see where she kind of goes on on really from here. I mean, she's she could really do anything. She's like the top followed Instagram person in WWE. So Is she? she's like one of the one of the she's like at least in the top three. Um I follow Paige. Huh. Same here. <laughs> huh. I no ha, no ha, no ha. Uh, let's get let's get to our last our last moment here, and then go, then go to a break and see where our, our guest is. Um, most memorable moment. This is probably going to be a real emotional. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a real emotional segment. Uh, I'll start. I'll start with my uh, with my runner up this year. Shinsuke Nakamura and Asuka winning the Royal Rumble was something that was very memorable for me. Uh, it's it's two stars that, and on a lot of different ways, people either thought they would never get behind, or people thought that it would. Uh, it would never happen for both of these, for both, both of them, you know? Um, 
I don't think we predicted. Did we predict Oscar to win the Royal Rumble? I can't remember. I think so. I, I think we like did. But who else was going to win? <laughs> but there was trep. I mean, obviously, there's trepidation with everything. You know, like Oscar obviously at that point could have lost. She was on a streak, though. She was on a big streak. Like she was on a major streak. Was, but so she it she weird could, if she lost. She could have gotten knocked out there, and that, you know they, they they do crazy shit all the time. But mm-hmm. there was trepidation on my on my end at least. Even if you were a lot more confident than I was, I wasn't. But I don't think either of us saw Nakamura winning. I don't think either of us said that it was going to be him. So when it came down to him and Roman, I was like, oh, they're really going to do this. Um, major shout out to to Roman Reigns also for I mean really essentially taking the heat. Uh, for himself and making the the win more believable and having Nakamura win, uh, two really great moments in a really amazing uh, Royal Rumble this year. I, I really love that show a lot, and I think that was a memorable moment that I I actually like requested when Mark made the uh, the year end video. I was like, you got to get Nakamura winning the Rumble because that's just something people did not see coming, and it's one of the biggest surprises of the year. So um, gotta gotta mention that for my my uh, runner up. Um, my runner-up is the pay-per-view this year known as WWE Evolution. Oh, man. <laughs> was the all-female pay-per-view this year. First time ever in WWE. Um, you know, it's a monumental. I think when it comes to the most memorable things of the year, this will arguably be one of the most memorable things of the year because this is a show that was highlighted all by women, past, present, future, um, Brought a lot of, you know, brought a lot of moments, the great match between Charlotte and Becky and a lot of different things. So I thought just WWE Evolution, one of the most memorable moments of the year. Uh, Okay, let's get to our winners here. Oh, man, I I got a tie here. I think we both we're both going to come up with the same thing. But one of my one of my moments in the tie was Becky Lynch invading Raw. Uh, it's clearly one of the most badass moments of the year, but me and you both had on our list here, uh, Roman Reigns announcing that he has leukemia, uh, from October. Yeah. Uh, it's a moment that still shakes me to the core to this day. And I, I really hate that they continue to show that promo <laughs> on TV mm-hmm. because it's so effectual. Uh, but I, I think that when it comes down to moments, it, this is a, this affected me because it was a real life moment um i know we, we talk about kayfabe stuff on here all the time we talk about rumors and we talk about like social media stuff but like this was this was the the curtain coming off of the the kayfabe that we know and really showing us how how short life is and mm-hmm. you know how precious it is and and how like a lot of the petty shit that, that we worry about or that we complain about it just doesn't matter and you know, seeing somebody that works as hard as Roman and people who, like really love him, like it, it, it meant a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was a moment where I think everything kind of just stopped in the WWE and everything came real for a moment. And it's very rare in these days. I mean, you get these very, very real moments where your jaw kind of drops. Um, it's uh, Roman Reigns announcing it beyond just the scope of how it affected business, because really, even everything that we're talking about now is a is a ripple effect of what happened with this Roman Reigns situation um but just from a personal standpoint man it's just like you know it's just completely unexpected yeah in a, in a lot of ways unexpected and i i think it kind of put in it really put a lot of things into perspective really where it's like you know these are people that have like real problems and you, you got people doing bullshit, like fucking trying to start boo mobs and shit like that for Roman Reigns when he comes out. And it's like, Hey, you see how quickly they turned <laughs> when shit got real. And 
you know, I, I, again, prayers out to Roman. I think he's continuously continued to be one of the most, uh, one of the most hated, but one of the most hardworking and, and like unrightfully like just hated on people. I, I think he's one of the top performers in WWE. Like I, I still would, I still have him in my top 10. I think he's right. like number four. Like he's had great matches this year. And I think he was just starting to hit his stride. That's why it fucking sucks so much that he's gone um, for the time being. Right. But, you know, it, it's, it's, just a, it's just a terrible situation, but it's definitely the most memorable uh, moment of the year, just in pro wrestling, period. I agree. All right. So um, we're going to take a small break in our year in show. This is going to be a lengthy show. We're, we're going to talk about a lot more categories. When we come back from our break. We have a very special guest from Russell rap showing up on the show. Uh, we're going to wait for him to get in here, but uh, we're going to take one break on the a show. We're going to be right back. So stay tuned on the a show year in show part one. All right. We are back on the a show episode 61, the year end part one episode. I'm here with meals. We are uh, currently waiting on a special guest to appear in the in the room right now uh the technical difficulty rating is off the charts it, it is, is it is the worst it is the worst <laughs> absolutely the worst but uh, uh we we've already gone over our choices uh, and a couple of other um you know categories on this so far we're going to save a couple of those for next week when we have a a bigger guest set of our homies from real wrestle chat but uh i, I want to talk about something something else with you meals hey whoa wow yes. is that our guest hey i'm sorry for being a piece of shit who's unprofessional no 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 it, it, we are here uh we're actually already recording emilio <laughs> wow, i guess i did ran in <laughs> well listen we love a good run-in all it's right a great run-in this is a great run-in uh we, were, we actually kind of already introduced that we had a guest waiting for us this is perfect timing once again we have emilio sparks from wrestle rap the Ch- wrestle rap podcast the podcast nobody listens to oh shut up people don't say that me. come on <laughs> don't it's say all, that it's all right it's all right i'm here i'm on the a show that's what i'm excited for well, listen, we're here. We're doing our year-end episode. Um, this is part one of our year-end episode, and we have various uh, categories that we're going over. We already went over a few. Now we're just kind of knocking out some more. Um, but you know what? How would you, Amelia, how would you say, just in general, your opinion on just 2018 in professional wrestling? I think from across the board, not if we're not just looking at WWE and New Japan, I think from the cross the board, wrestling is thriving now more than ever from a social context. All the wrestling beards are, are talking about it on Twitter, but you're also seeing a lot of wrestling on television and other streaming platforms and a ton of stuff on Instagram you can watch. So I really enjoy the fact that wrestling is out there even more. Like that's the best thing in the world is, is that, you know, cause we couldn't have this at like when I was 25, we didn't have this. It was like, you still had the tape trade to find certain things or you had to order pay-per-views. So right. now like and wrestling's on TV again, not even outside WWE. There's like four other wrestling promotions on television that you can watch. So. And, a, and a lot of it on demand and a lot of it on various streaming networks. You can subscribe to, you know, the impact wrestlings, the entire libraries online. You can, you know, new Japan world. You can, you know, just it's oh, more it's, in demand than that. Yeah. You can literally watch wrestling 
any time, which is, I think, has been, since we've been kids, has just been the dream to be able to watch wrestling. Yeah, it's almost too, it's almost want. too it's almost too ambitious of a dream because now we got it and we're like okay. <laughs> a little yeah, bit sometimes it's sensory overload. It's too much. It's like all right, well, what do I watch? Do I want to watch this stuff on Fight TV? Do I want to watch this stuff on Powerbomb TV? Do I want to watch this stuff on Twitch? Uh, Lucha Underground, uh, MLW Fusion, AAW stuff. Like, what am I? Where do I? It's like wow. Wait a minute. Hold on. Is there's too much? Sometimes, but I think that's a really good thing because a lot of workers could go find work in other yeah. areas. Yeah, uh, Amelia, you you've been tr- you've been uh, on my ass for a couple of months now about being on the show. I have to say right now, I really apologize that it's taken so long for you to be on this show. I just thought I wasn't liked. I don't know. Wow. You know? No, you know what it is. Timing is everything. <laughs> <laughs> Timing is everything. We would not, in my opinion, in just in my opinion, I don't really want you on just any regular show, right? You know, because you're you're very your mind is expansive when it comes to professional wrestling. We've been friends for a long time. We know. I mean, when we did our year end show, I mean, we had Ernest, we had Stack Eye Greg, we had who else did we have? I wasn't there, Justin. Let me know. <laughs> no, we <laughs> we had Ernest and Stack Eye Greg, of course. Uh, I think those were were the big ones. I mean, Wally called in. Wally, Stokely Hathaway, all these other things. But now that we're coming down to to the to the year end. I mean, there's no one t- to me who, you know, also consumes a large amount of professional wrestling like you do. So I do think it's all timing and, and you're pretty much the perfect person for us to sort of cap off this year and really go through everything in a nutshell. Oh, man, I appreciate that coming from you guys because you guys are wrestling pundits. Um, you guys are a lot more vocal than I am on, on Twitter. I can't do it anymore like that. Uh, it, it's just too exhausting to see like all these other opinions and most of them, I don't want to say wrong, but they are just, it's like what Johnny says, the crack is sizzling. <laughs> Big sizzle. So uh, we, brought, we brought back a lot of crack. We brought back a lot of crack in 2018. Yes, um, uh, and speaking of, of bringing a lot of things back, we're going to bring it right back to our categories. Emilio, are you ready to, to, to talk about feud of the year with us? Yes, please. All right, so we're gonna what we're gonna do is that the same way we've done it with the uh, with the wrestler of the year and our other categories that that we did earlier in the show. We're gonna do the runner up first for Mia Mills' choices, I'll, and I'll and I you know we'll we'll talk about that. I'll give you the floor as well, Emilio, for uh, just one feud that you think is one that you it's not particularly your favorite feud of the year, but one that you that you remember. And then we're gonna talk about the actual feud of the year that we both voted for. Uh, Mills, what was your runner up for feud of the year? So my runner up for feud of the year was, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Bryan versus The Miz, which has really just been a program that I've anticipated forever. And I say this because, yes, it has happened in the past. Yes, it's been an ongoing thing that's happened over the last decade. And a lot of it was derailed because Daniel Bryan could no longer, you know, compete in professional wrestling. But I always had a glimmer of hope that it would come up again, even if Daniel Bryan, you know, before he was eventually cleared, he was talking about how he would leave the WWE. I always hope that maybe, well, maybe the Miz will leave too at some point, and maybe they'll do this on the independence, and and Miz will become the most hated. I mean, that will never happen. Um, but it, I've always sort of wanted that. So when Daniel Bryan got cleared, I knew it was really only a matter of time, and I think WWE knew it was only a matter of time too, because this is the real, the most palpable, the most you know 
straightforward feud that we've gotten in so long. And it just made sense, even towards the build of it. It wasn't a direct build. They they both ran across each other's path a few times in the months leading up to it, but they never really, you know, get on that collision course until they were heading towards SummerSlam. So it's one of my favorite feuds of the year. Uh, yeah, I, I had this for my runner-up as well. I think their SummerSlam match is one of my favorite matches of the year. That's pr- probably put it top 20. I just think The Miz and Daniel Bryan just work together at such a high level. Um, they're very comfortable. And even though it didn't end the way that we wanted it to, and so to speak, I still think that it was still one of the strongest views of the year. And it gave us some of the best promos and, and segments uh, of the year as well. Uh, Emilio, what, what was one of your favorite views of the year? Well, I want to add on with the Daniel oh, Bryan. Okay. That was that's a long time coming. That was coming back from when Daniel Bryan and Miz were doing NXT together when it was a reality-based TV show on Sci-Fi. So yeah. this thing has been building for a long time, and then you know all the stuff that culminated on Talking Smack up until now, I think has been great. Would I like to see them carry it over for a, a championship run? Yeah, but then you don't know is Miz? Are they teasing the idea that Miz is a face? Is he a face? You know, I like angry vegan environmentalist daniel bryan it's like right. it's like he's piercing into my soul a little bit and it's funny <laughs> i said that and then somebody tweeted is kaz pulling inspiration for writing this about you and i laughed <laughs> but i think that's a really good feud and you guys touched upon some really interesting stuff with that because they're captivating both of them together they're they're, they're magic and they can they can speak just promos alone they were just they were just magical, um, and the matches that we got they were pretty cool. I, you know, they incorporated the wives a little bit to the best of the wives' ability, and yeah. and it, it it was it was rounded out. It, it was cool, but I think they did everything that they needed to do, with the exception of put a championship into play. Yeah, that was that was a little bit. Uh, that was one thing that, and I'll say there's probably two things that really kind of kept this from being my feud of the year. Uh, I I think that the the stuff with Bree and Maurice it went on. I'm glad that it went on early like it did, but it went on a little too long for me. And I feel like it would have been a hotter feud with the belt yeah. when it was said and done. I, I think uh, the, the number one contender match I, we, we all thought was leading to a possible mania match. And then they swerved us out of that. And I'm glad I, I'm not unhappy at the direction they went, but I think that those two things uh, kind of kept it from being as hot as I wanted it to be. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you on that. I'm glad that there wasn't a title into play because then that means we wouldn't be getting what we would be getting now. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, okay. So I kind of have, all right. So this is kind of weird. I don't know if it's like a feud of the year or whatever, but do you remember when Roderick strong was oh, on yeah. 205 live battling with Cedric Alexander? Yeah. I yeah. love, I, I love that whole, that whole thing. So like, even when they were on their March 4th match from 205 live. So I kind of like what Roddy and Seti were doing there, but so I just wanted to just make a quick mention of that. But I think overall, I would pick the obvious, which is Becky Lynch and Charlotte Fleur, but I'm not going to do that. I think I'm going to say Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles. Okay. And my favorite match out of the, like, the entire thing leading up to that was their Super Showdown match. Because out of the three matches that they had prior, I think that was their their, their best match because it was just so physically violent. And, you know, a lot of emotion came into play with that, with the whole Wendy stuff and the kid and, you know, going into the hat and AJ and Joe going into the house. So there, there was a lot riding with that. It was like mostly like Joe tormenting, you know, the, the wholesome AJ style. And I, I think that few will probably unfairly get looked over a bit because 
I don't know if all the matches hit. And I think AJ, AJ Styles is kind of a, not a victim, but he was a proponent of that all throughout the year. His fuse went on for so long that it was hard to pinpoint a specific hot point. Like the Nakamura feud, I think we could all agree the hottest point was literally right after WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. And I was it, after that. Yeah. Like it, we, we, and then it just kind of, kind of fell off, but it was like, you know, me and Mill said this on the A show uh, last week, AJ Styles feuds are always four months long. And I think that like that kind of stops his feuds from being really good. But it, it's funny because one of the feuds that we're probably going to start talking about now has been going on for way longer than that. And I, I think to a point that it's, actually outworn it's welcome but you know for the 2018 uh you know period it was still hot because they were adding in new elements and the matches were hitting and if, if the matches aren't hitting the feud isn't going to hit so uh, I, I agree that aj styles and Samoa Joe was it was a strong feud i just think that the matches kind of kept it from being that well you know because they weren't mm-hmm. playing hot potato with the championship i think it kind of hurt them a little bit i, I agree when you look at aj styles yeah you want to see a long reign that is a dominant champion but he beat everybody right yeah. And he had two long, exhausting feuds. He had Shinsuke Nakamura, and then he had Samoa Joe. So right then and there, it's like you're watching this, and you're like, damn, okay, uh, do we get a swerve? Do we get Shinsuke as champion and then AJ chases? Or do we get Joe as champion and AJ chases? Mm-hmm. To me, the best part is when always when the babyface chases the championship. When they have these long reigns, I don't know. It just doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't work me up to like – you know, uh, a kerfuffle where I want to be like, oh my God, I really want to watch this. Some of the best stuff that I used to see was when Austin would chase the championship. You know, that there was always something to drive towards. You know what I mean? It was always like, wow, I want to see this. I want to see our conquering hero who has been getting everything thrown in front of him and every obstacle. And then he finally gets over these hurdles to win the thing that he he wants the most, you know? And I wanted to see more blood feuds between Joe and and Nakamura. Like I really wanted it to uh, not Joe. I'm sorry, uh, OJ and and Nakamura. I really wanted it to get more violent. I didn't want the onus to be AJ's balls, but, it was, <laughs> but like for some reason the importance was AJ's balls. So you know that's why I can see like all right, well it, this this has ran its course, and yeah. I'm glad that he is not the heavyweight champion no more. Not because the matches weren't great. But after 371 days, you kind of reach a ceiling and is like, all right, well, what else is there to do now with this guy? Right. And so, I, would, I, would, I think having an AJ that is now uh, not disgraced, but has, has lost everything is, is a cool storyline for him as well going into WrestleMania season. Yeah. yeah he, has, he has to find one more big thrill. He has to find one more big thing. And I, and I think that hopefully leads to a match with, because I, I said it before, he needs, to be, he needs to be wrestling part-timers now. He needs to be like kind of going up to that level. I said, I said on WrestleRap, I would love for them to do a superstar shakeup and AJ go to Raw, and then you would put like a dude like Finn Balor or Seth Rollins to to SmackDown, which might sound crazy if we want to say we take Seth out of the equation because Seth is, is is Raw in my opinion right now. Right. But you take a guy like like Ferg and you put Ferg in in SmackDown, and it gives him a show that he could potentially run and it could be his thing and the focal point could finally be finn balor so i I think that would work and then you can have aj run amok against the valley of the giants and lay claim to well you know brock lesnar beat me by a hair last time let's see him do it again now and then we can see a whole bunch of things we could see aj versus seth aj versus dean aj versus lashley uh aj versus braun when he comes back 
you know, AJ versus Brock, AJ versus Elias. So like AJ can really be a focal point specifically because listen, they got their, they inked their new deal with USA and they inked this Fox deal. So now it's time to really shake things up moving into to WrestleMania season, which starts at Royal Rumble. Right. So uh, I don't know what do you guys think of that. Is that too much? Is that too much or no? Like you want to see him on SmackDown. You know what? I'm kind of the the way SmackDown is so synonymous with AJ Styles for me. It's just I I could see him definitely on Monday Night Raw, but there's something about SmackDown just just feels AJ Styles. Yeah, I would it just it's just like th- that period where you know Rey Mysterio was like solely on SmackDown or Undertaker was solely on SmackDown. There's something about SmackDown and AJ Styles that just works, mm-hmm. and you know. I think just over the last year, I mean, he's had great matches. I mean, he's had, I, I don't know if this was this year, but I know he had a great match with Chad Gable when he was on SmackDown. And he it was had, last year. He, yeah, yeah, he had a great match with Rusev um, at some point this year for the WWE Championship. And it just seems like there's something on SmackDown where it's a, it's, you know, it's it's not technically the A show, even though it does have a lot of, you know, it does seem to be the more riveting thing, but I feel like AJ Styles contributes to SmackDown and it raises the profile of SmackDown so much with him on it. And he's just become the face of the show. And it's just, you know, I could see him on Monday Night Raw just for the sake of just like, we need to switch some things up. But I really just see them like, hey, you know what? AJ Styles is SmackDown and we're kind of maneuvering everything around him. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense too. I mean, there's so many just variables that you can plug in because this roster is so vast and there's so many guys that, you know, we, we know that every everything is like you guys said before, like, you know, we were joking around with, with me coming on the show, but everything is has to deal with 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 timing. Mm-hmm. And I think there are so many plugins that you can do on this roster that anywhere and anywhere could you could plug in a, a different variable and it will be really entertaining television. Right. right. Uh, so now let's get into, and I, I think this would be a very deep conversation because I, I believe that I voted on my match of the year based off of the, the top six months, eight months of the year. And then it kind of like, it, I feel differently about this feud, but it's, it's produced so much good that I had to put it as my feud of the year. Um, Gargano and Champa and NXT is my feud of the year this year. And I'm conflicted about it because you had a story that has been two years in the making. This is essentially the longest storyline that NXT's ever had, the longest feud that NXT's ever had, the longest feud that WWE's had in a very long time that just goes, that just kind of transcends transcends shows. I mean, this is from the CWC all the way up to NXT. You had the the culmination of the Gargano-Champa feud, uh, and you had it through TakeOver Philly, you had it TakeOver New Orleans, and then it kept going. And... Uh, <laughs> it's a few that's been, you know, hotly contested and very divisive. But I think when you think about just in the larger sense of things, just from the matches being bangers, I think I went five on both. Uh, just just to the, the, the promos, the actual storyline, the, the fact that you care about these characters, the fact that it weaved into so many stories within NXT, it was the hottest story in the whole company for, for not the whole company, but the whole brand this whole year. And I think, I mean, you, you're not going to find a better feud this year from the, from the top of the year as uh gargano champa uh no. mills what, what did you think i think one the main thing and this is my feud of the year too but i think one of the main things that makes it the feud of the year is the nuance the nuances you don't really get on the main roster the nuances you don't really get with a feud i mean there's not really a feud 
I mean, besides NXT, I think the environment for WWE doesn't lend itself to like year-long feuds. But with NXT, with four major takeovers a year, with you know tapings every you know couple weeks or so, it kind of lends itself to stretching it out a little bit. But I think the nuances from you know that's been just stretching back for a number of years now have made this feud just as good as it is. And it's like you said, the matches itself, each match felt like a part of a story. It felt like a chapter a, a new chapter a new and 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 over the the feud the thing with this feud is also it's developed it's the characters have changed the characters have developed yes. through this they have reacted to eat to one another whether it comes to wins or losses this isn't something where it's just like oh they lost and we're going to set up another rematch down the line this is motivations have changed due to circumstances within the match or circumstances outside of the match johnny gargano is a completely different person than where he was in january when this thing started um tomaso champa has kind of to me, it, it, and, and I'll say this, it kind of reminds me of like, I don't know if you've ever seen Aladdin and like Jafar is like the genie now and like he's yeah, like all yeah, powerful yeah. Yeah. and he's like all these other things. Like he's assumed control of NXT because he has the championship. This is the big bad now. Now he has assumed the role of the big bad. Things have just changed and you don't get that with, you know, normal feuds in WWE. This is quite possibly the greatest feud in the WWE. NXT or WWE in maybe the past like five years. I don't know. I mean, you can even this stuff, their feuds date back to um, even when they were doing their stuff on the indies. You know, they did stuff for Southside Wrestling in, in England. They also did some, they had um, six months later, they did something at AAW Pro. You know, then they had, um, then they had another one back in, uh, in June in 2015, which was Gargano Ciampa three. Like then they did, then they had John uh, Gargano Ciampa four at mystery vortex three for PWG. So you could keep on going. So like they had a long standing, um, just history of just doing these bond burners outside of that. But let me ask you, yeah, it, it's cool, but you weren't exhausted at any point with it. No. I will not say we that. We are. We no, absolutely. That's what I was saying. It's a, it's a divisive feud because I don't think there's any stronger feud this year that's produced as many great segments and matches. But yeah. this is a feud that's also it's out, it's overstated. It's welcome by uh, SummerSlam weekend show, the the Brooklyn show. I think we were all ready for them to just never, you know, ever fight again for a year, and then you get the you get the Gargano heel turn. But I, I think they were a victim of circumstance in that match because in, in originally Aleister Black was supposed to be in that match. And I think they were eventually going to spin it off in a certain way. Yeah. Yes, it would still be, you know, related around. And I think we're getting what we were going to get before now, um, especially with the events that happened on NXT this week um, within the cage match. But I think... It, they were a victim of circumstances with that, you know, Brooklyn match where it's like the, we weren't ready. I don't think they were ready for the third match then. Um, yeah, they weren't. They weren't. I, and I, we got a third match. Right. All right. So it, it, it kind of just like this is something that we have to do. And the ending was kind of like, mm, um, but it's, you know, I it's exhausting. Yeah, I th- I'd say it was exhausting at points, especially the matches themselves. I love the matches, but the matches. 40-minute matches. 40-minute <laughs> matches minimum each time. Kickouts, top rope um, backbreakers, and it's just a kickout. And, like, huge moments that were just like, wow. This is, wow. 
Yeah, you get to see that with NXT, though, too. You get the 40-minute matches. You know, you're not going to get 40-minute matches on the main roster to a degree. You know what I mean? Like, this, th- th- that is the type of atmosphere that allows for it because the match card itself is is, is relatively small, you know? Mm-hmm. Not really doing seven or eight matches. They're not trying to squeeze everything in, you know? And maybe that's the beauty of binge-worthy um, streaming access with NXT where if you miss something, you can go back and then you can watch it with with a different set of eyes to study it and do it. But I also think their indie cool points really um, cashed in and rolled over with this because, you know, you never really got to see – most casual wrestling fans never really got to see the matches that I listed. You know, specifically who's watching the Mystery Vortex 3 from PWG, yeah. you know what I mean? Right. You a real wrestling like – purist to really enjoy that so you know yeah we could say oh full sale is, is, is straight for for the marks but i think also at the same time too now nxt starting to appeal to the casual fan as well so when you see a guy that's booked as 510 but in reality he's walking around maybe five six five nine you know really like anywhere between that that those sizes and has a daniel bryan feel you're gonna root for johnny wrestling you know yeah. and you're gonna hate you're gonna hate champa because he turned on his best friend and they had this really short-lived tag team title run and you know so yeah it's, it's a really interesting feud you know i i thought almas and gargano were, was better than Almas and and Champa wrestling wise, you know what I mean? Right, yeah, I I agree, and and I mean I went five, five on on Almas uh, Gargano, but I think like the the story carried that yes. to you know like just the emotion of of these matches carried it, and I just wish that they didn't have to do like I, I'm not mad or I'm not as mad at the the heel turn as some people are. Uh, with, with Gargano, I just wish that they had done it in a in a separate way, and, and I'd even I'd even shudder to to, to think that like this feud kind of took away from as good as it was, it took away from the development of a lot of guys. I mean, you had a lot of guys that were chilling, like Adam Cole was chilling for a large part of this year because of this feud. Velveteen Dream just got a title shot literally a month ago because of this feud, like because it was it was just it was just sitting there, you know. I- I think in terms of dudes like Dream and Cole, I think, you know, Cole's only been in what? He's only been in de- a, a developmental. It's not even a developmental anymore. Who are we kidding? Um, to use that verbiage anymore. But uh, he was only in it for like a year. And he's had, he's had, you know, he was in two war games. Um, a really odd North American championship run that really didn't move the needle. Which if you're going to put the emphasis on Gargano and Ciampa, well then make that secondary title the thing you know and well, I, I think that that was twofold i think they wanted him to be able to defend it overseas and him to always have that first ever so when he comes to the main roster you can say he was the first ever north american champion okay okay now all right yeah that makes sense but you, you, you want a heel to have that you want a heel to have that you know yeah you do but he didn't like i would have loved to if they if if he shit canned every match at the end where he just pulled a, an 80s flair move and, you know, Undisputed Era would come in and save the championship by any means necessary and he would walk out and say, this is the greatest run of all time and then we could see the match that we saw with Ricochet and and Adam Cole, you know, and and, and everything that went, went by with that. Um, so that that's where I see with that. In terms of Dream, 
I don't want to see Velveteen Dream heavyweight champion in NXT. What? I want to see him. I just want to see a main roster already. You know what I mean? Like, make him just the guy. Like, you know. Mills, it, you, you, hold on. Mills, do you agree with this? That you don't want to see um, him? He doesn't need it. He don't need it. I love Velveteen Dream. So I would love, you know what? To me, in terms of just like, and I know um, Velveteen Dream isn't really like, he wasn't built up totally in the developmental center, but it's it's good to go back to that and just say like, listen, this is a WWE homegrown talent that, you know, paid his dues, that, you know, meant out, you know, thing his skill, you know, improved on his skill and became champion. That's just from that point. And then he's also like, he's one of the hottest. This was someone who by all means, when we first saw him, shouldn't have worked. It was just like, what the hell is this? Like, again, like a gorgeous George kind of, you know, thing. But he's made it work because he's just such a student of the game. I think Velveteen Dream, to me, deserves to be an NXT champion, especially after that match that I saw with Ciampa. Oh, my God. I went went five stars on that match because that (laughs) match is incredible. I mean, that's just my own personal five star. I'll put it in my personal five star bank. Has he won any major feud outside of beating Cassius Ono? Has he won anything? No. No, so, not really. Like, so, it, I, and I like that about him. It's like he doesn't lose anything. Like you don't, he doesn't lose the mystique of being Velveteen Dream, even though he's on the receiving end of an L. You know. But I also feel that he doesn't need the championship because he's transcended something a little bit different in uh, NXT, where he got over. He can work. He's he's a fantastic worker. You know. He's also still young. What is he like? Twenty three, twenty four years old. He's twenty three. Yeah. I mean, look what he's doing at 23 years old. Imagine when he's 26, 27, and he's really in the prime of his career. Um, maybe they keep him down there for a little while longer just because of ageism. I don't know. you know. But I don't think he needs the championship. I think he's, the, he's that good of a worker where you're just drawn in by just how charismatic he is. And you're like, you know what? I want to watch him work, and I just want to follow him regardless. You know, I, think that, I, think I, think, I think he would work better on the main roster. I, I honestly think- agree with that. With Velveteen, we're working with a – people look at this as like a bad thing. And I, and I don't want people to take this like super literal like when I say this. And I know they will anyway. But you're <laughs> looking at like a Randy Orton level talent here. Yes. Where I yes. he is completely natural at everything that he does. But, but you know, like Mills just said, like this shouldn't have worked. But he's so good, he can make anything work. He could literally drop Velveteen tomorrow and, and come out with a different, a different uh, you know, gimmick and it would completely work. And I think that like when you think about this Gargano, just to bring it back around to the Gargano Champa thing, it's like I wanted to see him develop more this year. He should be on a lot of these categories. He should be winning a lot of these categories. And I think that as far as great as this feud was, it stopped guys from Velveteen from really reaching where they were supposed to be this year. Like granted, he was great in the ladder match. He- we all love but he should have been in the mix a lot earlier you know what i'm saying and he's still losing these matches i just don't know like it's a very hard it was a very hard decision to say this is my feud of the year because it was so like just like oscar it was so great for a lot of reasons in nxt but it was also detrimental in a lot of ways to the to the brand in itself i agree no listen yeah he's you look at again he's so good and he's so young and you know i think he he really puts an emphasis on NXT, when you watch NXT, you're really checking for him. You know what I mean? Like, like when I was really into NXT, 
I would always check for, because I got a kick out of them, was always Enzo and Kaz because you would be drawn in by the promos. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you watch for Velveteen, I watch for Dream and I watch for the Undisputed Era because I'm just, I, I love everything about, you know, Dream and, and UE. So I, I, I'm going to watch that. So my, my attention and my interest is always going to be drawn into that. So now it's like, well, okay, let's take that magic from the dream and let's see what he can do on, on the main roster. You know, are you, are you afraid or are either you or Mills afraid of what he's going to do in the main roster? No, because I think he gets the Elias effect. I think oof, I'm, oof, I am, I'll be I'm honest. Afraid, with you. I'm, a, I'm afraid of what they're going to do to him on the main roster. I'm afraid just because you don't I'm, think they would get it. No, <laughs> I don't think no. that's I don't think Vince would get it. I, it's not that, I, you know, and, and it's not even, I just think in terms of the way the roster is very, very different on NXT and WWE. And there's so much, I've always said the priorities are so different and everything is just so different. I mean, we look at a guy like Bobby Roode, who's on top of the world in NXT. You look at a guy like, you know, Neville or like a lot of other things. Very few things work in the WWE as it works in NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, I think while the aura is there and I think the pageantry of it all, and I think it's great from that standpoint, it's just, I don't know where he fits in. Even if he was called up tomorrow, I don't know where he fits in right now. I, I don't know. It's, it's just to me, it's like, and and we have a problem with SmackDown. Where even on SmackDown, we have a great talent, Andrade Cien Almas. We barely see him on SmackDown. So it's like, where does Velveteen Dream fit in? Where there's like so much things going on, and so much talent has built up equity, and so much things go, you know, so much things running currently. Where does he fit in in all of this? Yeah, but how long do you stay down there for, Mills? It's a. I think he, honestly, I think he can. I still think he has things to accomplish in NXT or things just to do in NXT. I think his NXT career isn't over because he's had, you know, a, a couple of fire matches. It's, it's incredible. I mean, you look at how long Gargano and Ciampa have been there. It's been almost two, three years now. Yeah. It's usually about three years before they go up. Who yeah. Is, who was the shortest call-up ever? Uh, Kevin Owens. Was it Kevin Owens? Because I know Luke, Luke Harper did 13 months. Six months for Kevin Owens. Six months uh, for Kevin Owens? Apollo wow. Crews was eight months, I believe. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So uh, uh, Owens was what? Owens was... Owens was like December. Four, four or five months? Five yeah. months maybe? He got, he got there December. By May, he was already on pay-per-views. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's cool. So um, that, that was our feed of the year. Uh, so after, let, let's, do, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Um, what about cringeworthy moment of the year? This is actually something... This is a category that like... Mills, I don't think you did last year. I don't think you did this one last year. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just didn't. I just didn't want to. Um, this year we have a, a wide range of cringeworthy moments, and this is a moment that's just like, if someone were to see this, they would really question why the fuck you watch pro wrestling. Uh, so your your runner up meals. What was your runner up? My runner up was <laughs> the entirety of the Brothers of Destruction and DX. <laughs> <laughs> Where it was, first of all, Kane just ends up breaking his leg some point during this, you know, or is just <laughs> injured during this. Undertaker is incredibly old. Um, yes. Triple H at some point 
who tears his pectoral during this match. Shawn Michaels is bald. Um, <laughs> it's just all of, all of the components together. It was just and and the bill they did for it and everything like that. The I mean, bringing Shawn Michaels out of retirement. I mean, we talked about the Saudi bag. It was the Saudi bag in full form. Mm-hmm. And who knows if we'll ever see this again until the next Crown Jewel. But it's just all the components of it. And I was just like, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> I think it was a no for everybody, to be honest. Let's keep it a buck. You know, nostalgia matches can only go so far. Do I think Shawn Michaels can still go? Yeah. Did I like the shot at the end with him and Triple H are like cuddling on the ring post and they're hugging each other and Shawn just, you know, mouths to him, we're too old for this as, as Triple <laughs> H is, is all in pain. Right. Yeah, I think it's time for The Undertaker to ride off into the sunset. I think it's time for Kane to be the mayor of Knock County or wherever he's the mayor of, you know, <laughs> and, and just leave it be. That, that That's it. You know, Triple H can still go. I think Shawn Michaels can still go if he wanted to, but Shawn Michaels' main focus should be the player coach on, on NXT, you know, and really do something down there, you know. Everybody was hinting at, oh, we can get HBK – AJ, we can get HBK Brian. We can I don't get even HBK know if I want that. <laughs> like, leave it alone. Like, you know, these yeah. guys, these guys are done. Like, you know, now make way for all the new crop of excellent workers. Now, you know what I mean? Um, we could also talk about the greatest Royal Rumble ever with Undertaker versus Rusev. He was nine steps too too slow, and he had a problem, you know, putting Rusev into the casket. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, so, that was a that was a weird. How, how, how just Undertaker was cringy all year. With the exception of the three-minute squash with John Cena at WrestleMania, like everything else after that, you just realize, okay, it's time. You, you, you've done everything that you need to do. You're a goddamn legend. You're the man. You're even doing interviews now with pastors on some Christian YouTube channel. You're actually <laughs> speaking. So it's like, all right, you're in the twilight of your career. You have an Instagram page and you're taking pictures with Post Malone. I mean, are right, you doing stuff now. Well, okay, so, so now just so, relax so, and enjoy uh, your time. Two figures of the MAGA movement. Uh, anyway, my my runner up, <laughs> my runner up for this year uh, is un- unabashedly. This could have been number one. Either of our choices could have been number one this year. My runner up was the Dick Druids at All In in Chicago. I, oh, I hated them. Would have. With a passion, I hated that entire thing. Everybody's all like, oh, this is amazing. You know, big shout-outs to Robbie Fingers. He thought the Dick Druid thing was fun because it's pro wrestling and it's entertainment. And no. And your disbelief. And <laughs> no. I told him, no, it was fucking stupid. You know what's and- cool? You know what's cool in pro wrestling that, that's dorky, like dorky cool? It's it's the new day coming out as Dragon Ball Z characters or coming out as uh, Final Fantasy characters at, at a show. The Dick, Druids, the Dick Druids was bottom-level bottom shelf playing to the back of the crowd humor well dick jokes well listen you know joey ryan's entire career has been nothing but a dick joke okay his penis got him over okay let's just keep it let's just keep it a hondo you know what i mean like his dick got him on espn for christ's sake they were talking about it on espn um you know, that was a feud that carried over because of all the things that they were doing on being the elite. And I think that that was just, you know, you want to talk about a niche within a niche within professional wrestling. All in and being the elite, this is what they were doing. They were capping off this weird little storyline that took away from a really great match between Joey Janela and Hangman Page. Yeah. You know, when the when the Druid of Dicks came out. It so, was just, it was just corny. corny. Super corny. 
it was just corny. I, I think there was a lot of things to like and a lot of things to dislike about All In. Um, and your mileage may vary with that. I won't even get into it. Yeah. But I think the Dick Druids thing was just, I mean, no, it was if there was anyone that came out while I was watching that, they would have considered, you know, considered me insane. They would have really judged me way more than they already judged me for watching pro wrestling at this point. But just embarrassing, embarrassing, uh, embarrassing thing. Uh, my my cringiest moment of the year, cringeworthy moment of the year. I think my I think ours was related. It's yeah. kind of related because one happened one week before the other. Yes. Uh, so I guess we could just put lump this in. I think Bobby Lashley, Sami Zayn, and that feud in general was the cringeworthy moment of the year. Uh, Mills, you had Bobby Lashley's promo to his sisters as one of them. That was bad. That was just like, to me, here's an opportunity. And I'm sure they wanted this opportunity to just show the depth of what Bobby, Bobby Lashley's back. Um, he came back after WrestleMania. Um, people don't really, you know, he's been out of the mix for several years. I think he has to get back in the mix and people have to kind of rediscover who Bobby Lashley is. And then he spends the promo just kind of talking about his sisters and it's just like, yeah, I mean, you know, my sister would just like, you know, is a, get a mop and then like blah, 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 hit no, me. Or, it was a rag. It was a, rag. a rag or something. <laughs> and I'm just like, bruh, you had one chance to make yourself even a morsel more interesting than I already thought you weren't. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then it just kind of like you just kind of like. It just wasn't with the with the hat, the Kangle, the the hat, not even Kangle hat. Kangle hat is way too cool. That was like <laughs> a new hat. Like I don't know. It's just it didn't work. And he then at least like my old uncle who tries to be hip. Yeah, I mean, it's not even. He's not even trying to be hip. The man is just he lacks hip. Like he lacks <laughs> just. I don't. He's, he's yeah. He's the reason. He's he's literally wearing. A leather jacket with no sleeves and aviator glasses on, which to me is just a telltale sign of like, I don't really know what's cool, but I know sunglasses are cool and leather is cool. And those are never not be cool anymore. And I'm sure, you know, Leo Rush is like, totally, you look great, Bobby. Like, but it's it's just not. And then just a week later or a couple of weeks later, it leads to Justin's cringeworthy moment. Cringeworthy moment. Yeah, Sami Zayn and the cross-dresser segment I think it's probably not only one of the worst and, and raw is a bad show, but this is probably the worst segment in, in raw history. If not of the year, just completely tone deaf of Sami Zayn bringing out just in this, this world that we live in now, just having cross dressers on a show. It's just, it's not it, not worse it fam. What was that? Worse than the old day. Uh, I would say this is more um, in terms of old day. I don't think old day was like as old day was just stupid. Yeah, it was just like stu- this to me was like all right. This is not only just stupid. Part of it's toned up. Part of it's also like uh, offensive. It's offensive. just offensive. It yeah, it's yeah. just offensive. It's it's like that type of humor just doesn't work anymore. And I felt bad for everybody involved. I, I think not only that, like Sami Zayn tried his best to make this this segment work. And I think not even like and he tried his best to make this whole feud work. I mean, remember this feud had a jungle gym challenge in it. That's what I'm gonna bring up. I was gonna ask you about that. What did you guys think of that that part of the feud? Everything was bad about this feud. Well, what did it was it the match a squash match? With, yeah. With, yeah, and that's because I Sammy we, was injured. Yeah, Sammy was injured, yeah. So it's just 
I mean, it was so bad to me, in my opinion, it was just so bad that they had to turn Bobby Lashley heel because just people just didn't go up for he this. Was, yeah, he wasn't getting over. Uh, I'll say that much. He didn't get anybody over. It didn't make Sammy look cooler. People were booing him as a face, which is why they had to turn him heel because it just started to make sense after that. <laughs> They even had him beat Roman Reigns, and it just didn't work. Like it, None of it worked. Uh, it, it just ended up – I think they booed both Roman and him. And, I mean, I know Sammy's going to be out for a while, but I, I have to give, like, a, a special just uh, shout-out or mention to the fact that the Sami Zayn heel turn, an utter, complete, abject failure. Yeah. It's a failure from, from every sense of the word. It failed. I think you, you, you compare that to two heel turns that I think have been going pretty well in Dean Ambrose and Daniel Bryan. This, this just did not work and for, for many reasons. I, I just think when you, put, when you turn a character like that, you have to be behind them. And I feel like WWE turned Sami Zayn and they just weren't behind the character. So they just left them to beat all the time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think they were truly behind. I mean, he, I mean, is a handful of matches that he actually won since turning heel. And then he just kind of, he's always been sort of the enhancement talent, but here's an opportunity where you change your character so much and you have a chance to really add a fresh new, you know, just a fresh new perspective on him and go in a new direction. And just, he just kind of didn't. Yeah. It was terrible. What do you, what do you think about Sami Zayn's heel turn, Emilio? Um, I don't know, man. You know, I, I have such a love hate for Sami Zayn. You know what I mean? Love the NXT stuff. Really wasn't wowed with the main roster stuff. Um, the back and forth with him and Kevin Owens when they were fighting, that was cool. And then I really started to enjoy when they partnered up. And I wish that they would have did something a little bit more with that. I wish they would have had a tag team title run with that. You know what I mean? To really make you hate them because I think they were getting the most legitimate heat that any two workers were getting at the time you know like kevin owens has a mystique about him where you want to root for him but then he'll do something or he'll just act a fool and you'll hate him and for some strange reason Sami Zayn just rubs people the wrong way now maybe it's this weird ocd thing or maybe it's just he looks like a uh, a smug hipster that wants to brew his own ipa in the bathroom of his house i don't know but like it worked and I enjoyed it. And I was like, damn, this is really interesting. But again, injuries suck. You know, both of them really had a, a, a bad run when it came to injuries. So it's like, damn, they really got the wind knocked out of them right as it was, as it was going. Right. If he wasn't hurt, I think he would have beat Lashley and he would have went on to something, something greater than that. I think maybe an intercontinental program or something, just something different to show, okay, I worked the big guy. Now let me work like the guys my size, the Rollinses, the Ballers, you know, uh, you know, whoever. I, don't think, I don't think they'll ever be behind Sammy. I, no, I just really don't. No. They, I, I don't see it. I, I don't think they'll ever make him the guy. But does he need to be the guy, though? You know, or does he just need to be a guy that goes out there, does the best work that he's capable of doing, whether he's a heel or a face? And just go from there. What I would like to see, put the mask back on him. Make more, just make truckloads of money with the mask. Because oh, Sami Zayn did a lot without, Sami Zayn did a lot without even, even uttering a phrase when he was El Generico. So maybe we do something like that. Maybe we get the two faces of Sami Zayn. Maybe he's kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs when he comes back because it was eating at him that Bobby Lashley beat him and he sat on the shelf for so long. So maybe he kind of got crazy. You know what I mean? So maybe he does both. Maybe we Make get him a face again. 
Just make him a face again. You stop trying to stop trying to reinvent the wheel with Sami Zayn. Just make him a face. I, it's just not. It's How not many working. faces are on the roster though right now? Yeah, but Sami Zayn's like a great face. Yeah, he's like, a way better face. He's a to me. Uh, I always say, and despite even his heel turn not working, a great thespian. The I man heel turn worked for the most part, but again, you you have to have somebody to play off of. I think with him, and I think he's well, stronger when he worked with a guy like Kevin Owens. But again, they weren't the, the first couple of weeks. It worked with the, with the promos and stuff like that, but they just weren't behind him. So it just it, it fell by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah, but again, like, I think they get too impatient and they don't, you know, and they're like, all right, well, this ain't working. All right, we got to do this now. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, it, I mean, he, he's scheduled to be back uh, a little bit after Kevin Owens is scheduled to be back. Kevin Owens is supposed to be back as early as like right after the Rumble. So uh, we'll we'll see where they where they where they end up uh, when when they come back. But as for this year, I have to say it's pretty much a big fail on, on both of their parts even with their wrestlemania match with uh daniel bryan and shane mcmahon i think Sami Zayn and bobby lashley probably one of the biggest uh what the fuck moments of the year and definitely our cringe worthy moment of the year oh well, it's uh, mostly for me this is mostly bobby lashley bobby lashley's walking <laughs> cringe worthy moment of the year for me just in the last year i mean just, his pose is him bending over and showing his butt like it's that's fire i mean <laughs> Fire to some people, I'll tell you that. Got to get that heat. Oh my god! But yes, those, those are uh, those are cringeworthy moment of the year and our feud of the year. I want to thank Emilio Sparks for coming onto the show and talking about these two things with us. Thank you so much, Emilio, for finally being on the show. Oh man, my uh, pleasure. You guys are great. I love everything that you guys are doing. Thank you so much. And as always, you can always catch the Wrestle Rap Podcast that people do listen to. <laughs> <laughs> and what else you want to push, Emilio? Um, I don't know, man. Listen, I got a couple of things in the works. Go out, go buy the t-shirt. It's also super, super important. Um, major announcement coming after I sell all the t-shirts out. I got a couple of more left. So go to wrestlerap.bigcartel.com. If you support DIY culture, if you support kitsch, if you support bootleg t-shirts, it is the bad boy logo throwing up a two sweet. Uh, OG Johnny five spent his money and bought a t-shirt to support because that's what OG Johnny five does. So if you want to be yeah. as cool as OG Johnny Five, go to WrestleRap.BigCartel.com. Follow the Twitter and the Instagram at WrestleRap, W-R-A-S-S-L-E-R-A-P. As far as me, I don't know. I'm working with two really good artists. So just catch my Twitter page, at Emilio Sparks, when I post some of their music. I don't know. I just want to say it was cool to, to hang out with you guys and, and, and to chop it up. So you, we got to get, get OG in, in New York for, um, for something special. Oh yeah, it's it's uh Mill Mill seems to think that we're not gonna get into WrestleMania, uh, Emilio. We're not I mean, I, I'm I'm personally my plans currently, you know, I, I went to Emilio, buy tickets. And in, in New York, in New York, Emilio. I went I went I went to buy tickets. I mean Evolve has a I hear Evolve has great shows during the weekend as well. Um, I mean how can I put this? How can I put this? Um There's some juice that some of us have. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's all we're gonna say. <laughs> I mean, listen. I think Mills. I think you know. Wait, listen. Let's not be coy here, Mills. Let's not be coy. There, there's some juice in this in in, in this chat right now. So we could there, the phone calls could be made. So n- never, never say never. If you want to, Mills. If you want to go to anything, just hit me up and we'll go to something. Oh my god, okay. dude. We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't spill all the all the beans no, on, on yeah, here. But uh, we're we're gonna be right back on the A show with more categories in our year end episode. Uh, so stay tuned. Be right back. Thanks, I deserve to be standing here as the woman's champion. 
And since that moment was stolen from me, Charlotte Flair deserved the beating that I gave her. Because SummerSlam wasn't supposed to be about Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns or AJ Styles or Seth Rollins or Ronda Rousey. And it certainly wasn't supposed to be about Charlotte Flair. It was supposed to be about one woman, me. It was supposed to be my time. I had fought my way for months and earned my way into a singles match with Carmella. And I had even gotten over the fact that Charlotte Flair had been added to the match. Because finally, finally it was my opportunity to silence the critics that said that I was just Charlotte's friend. All right, we are back on the A-Show. Uh, the year-end episode is upon us. Uh, thank, special thanks to Emilio Sparks for showing up on the show and giving us his very, very needed and uh, very poignant insight into his year in picks and to our year in picks as well. Uh, we're going to run through a couple other categories uh, before we kind of close out the show here today. Is that cool, Mills? Yeah, that's a, that, that works fine with me. All right, it's been a, it's been a long episode, man. <laughs> so long. Uh, but, I mean, they they love this. They love this. So we're gonna get into the TV categories, and we're gonna end it out with our female wrestler of the year category before we before we bid you guys adieu for this first part of this episode. Uh, but but first, we're gonna go to best uh, NXT TV match of the year. Meals, what was your runner up for this? So my runner up was Gargano and Almas loser must leave match, which I think gets lost in the sauce that even after that five-star, six-star, wherever, you know, people rate it now, encounter, they had a really good second match, a couple, you know, literally probably the taping after. Like three weeks after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like literally a couple weeks after, they had a really, really good match. And um, while it was, the championship was on the line as well, so much more was on the line where um, Gargano had to put his own NXT, you know, contract up on the air. And, And then it came up with a, you know, a surprising result. Um, I just think the, the, when, when Almas is on, he's just on mm-hmm. and Gargano is constantly just one of the, one of the, you know, shining lights of NXT in terms of competing, in terms of just being that face that, that kind of comes over, comes under. I think when you look at, you know, what a match of the year contender is going to be, while this isn't one of the top ones, this is certainly to me in one of the top 50 matches of the year. Absolutely. I really, I really did love that match. I actually forgot about it. So I'm one of the uh, guilty parties that uh, it got lost in the sauce. But I, yeah. I did I did, uh, I did, did remember just how great that was. And it did have the actual in-ring physical kind of return of uh, Tommaso Ciampa, who, uh, who helped out Almas in that situation to beat Gargano. Um, I think Almas was really, really perfect as a smarmy uh, like like shit heel in this match as well he, he was really at the, at the height of his his uh stride during this run i i would shudder to say again almost shouldn't have been called up when he did i thought he really had a, a really good run in him for that with that title you know what i uh, you know what i love 
and and I'll say I'm different on a different spectrum, but I just feel like yes, Almas's character ended up being in you know growing up and growing in NXT, but I don't even think he needed to be in NXT as long as he did. I think he's a natural. I okay. think he's seasoned. I think he's skilled. To me, in my opinion, if he had a match with John Cena the night after he you know came you know just showed up on the roster, he would have fit in like a glove. Like he's someone who's skilled. To me, that didn't really need sort of the 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 time to you know grind in NXT but I think we're all grateful that he did I mean the first iteration of his character two years ago whew, with the suspenders yeah and the hat yeah. uh, <laughs> but you know just what we've seen him grow into and what you know the acquisition of Zelina Vega and how that's all worked you know it factored into this match we even got a little bit of um Candice LeRae and, and Zelina Vega action in this match, which, you know, it just added to it. I think, yeah, yeah I think it's just generally, it's just a great match. What did you have for your runner-up? My runner-up was Aleister Black versus Tommaso Ciampa on the uh, J- July 25th episode of NXT. This was for the NXT Championship. I really loved the amount of time they gave the match. I think that when you look, again, and, and we've said this uh, before on, on this very show, the kind of like the the measuring stick on NXT is Champa and Gargano and to a, a, a kind of like not even a lesser extent but to an equal extent really uh Alistair Black is yet another measuring stick for the for the promotion because I mean look at the matches he's had with like Lars Sullivan and people like that where they he they were tasked with working with someone that wasn't really at that level yet and they had to get them over to that level and i think you just put these two together it was magic i really loved every everything about the match uh even right down to and again we, we mentioned this when we talked about feud of the year every single thing uh about gargano and champa kind of weaved into the into the story of, of everyone else and we're starting to see that or we were starting to, to begin to see that with Like who had really been a part of it for a, a minute, and then he weaved him back into the storyline, and it led to uh, what I thought was a tremendous uh, way to actually write him off right after that. Uh, your mileage may vary on the reveal, but I really love the match. Uh, it it's featured a very rare title change on NXT TV as well. And I think that's what I mean. Both of our runner-ups are NXT title matches on television, which is yeah. which is fantastic, and it's just like. there's so much on the line when they do those title matches. It's not like something that comes out of nowhere, like back in the day during those, you know, used to because they had no takeovers. We just kind of saw those matches. Now that when you see an NXT title match on television, there's so much on the line and there's so much weaving in. And, you know, we talk about feud of the year, get this, the first, the match I said, happened in february and the match you say it happened in july and still the same elements carry it on yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like yo this feud went on so damn long so fucking long um our match of the our, our nxt tv match of the year pretty much the same pretty much uh, the i love a good tag team match i can't even i i, I love just but some of my favorite matches are tag team matches. And just to see Mustache Mountain on Disputed Era absolutely tear it down. It was, and especially like, this isn't their first match. This is just like, they're having a series of matches that is just like incredible. And it's and, and, apart. What happened? Weeks apart, too. With like, yeah. Weeks apart. Because they, they originally did this match before. 
And then they did it again a couple of weeks later. Um, if you guys don't know, we're talking about Undisputed Era, Mustache Mountain, uh, July 11th, uh, 2018 on XCTV. This was, it just had the crowd was into it. The people were into it. The performers itself, Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, um, Trent Severin, and, 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 and um, Tyler, Tyler Bate. My God. My God. This was something where it's just like, I imagine if I was in full sail, I would have been on my feet and this would have been one of the greatest moments ever. Um, and it just had, it also had one of the most, you know, one of the most different endings that we've seen, but it just, it, even still, it made sense. Yes. Uh, and we don't see the, we don't see the towel throw ending. Uh, we don't see that happen very often. Right. You got to milk it for the, 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 I mean, he milked it. No, don't get me wrong. My man is like, you got to be on the apron, uh, sweating bullets and just have the <laughs> towel in your hand. You're just like, do I throw it? Mm, no. Mm. But it but, was such a, such a really great, like, and I think this is, this goes unsaid. Like it was such a great baby face moment that they yeah. threw in the towel there because you don't want to see your friends suffer. And Usually, when you towel and someone turns heel because you did, you you know, they didn't need your help or some shit like that. Like, it, Justin, it, go back to you don't want to see your friends suffer. Like, you don't want to hold on. You don't want to see your friends suffer, you know. So, like, that it it just it turns into such a really great emotional moment, and I'm glad they didn't go with like some you know basic heel turn type moment uh where you know who uh, you know you know the uh, Trent Seven got mad at Tyler Bate for doing that and they 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 went against each other or whatever like it, it they still remain friends and i really thought that was a really strong and emotional moment that kind of bridged the gap between these characters that we don't really see on NXT TV very often right and then we you know we had a match at uh, Royal Albert Hall that happened we had another match that happened um in Chicago in Chicago, we had another match in Brooklyn i mean these two i don't think this was supposed to go on as long as it did but just by virtue of how incredible every match seemed to be and how up the people were for it. People just went up for it. Like it was each match was a spectacle. It was incredible. So, right. yeah, really great match. Uh, let's move on to SmackDown Live match of the year. What was your runner up meals? My runner up for this was whew, what did I have? The gauntlet SmackDown Live gauntlet. Happened on June 19, 2018. It featured, you know, you, you look at the roster on SmackDown. We always say, like, SmackDown has one of the best rosters that they have out. And you look at, but you look at, you know, the title scene, and it's just AJ Styles, Nakamura, AJ Styles, things. But this really kind of showed the depth of the roster and how much contenders they could possibly have. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a great intro you know intro contest between biggie and daniel bryan that you usually never see and in any other circumstances outside of a gauntlet match you probably would never see um moved on there and we had another one between was it i believe it was daniel bryan and samoa joe another match that was just like what like we're getting this And, and and just the way it went down and the way it ended there daniel bryan ended up you know overcoming samoa joe i think it was via count out and 
that that led to the Miz coming in that it, that weaves in a feud of the year contender with the Miz and Daniel Bryan. He comes in and steals the victory, and then we crown a champion, a, well, crown a new number one contender, his first ever championship match in Rusev, capitalizing off of what Rusev Day was, capitalizing just on everything that's happened thus far, and how you know we, we got a great AJ Styles versus Rusev match out of it at that pay per view. But I just think that SmackDown Live Gauntlet is one of my favorite matches just because it showed the true depth of the SmackDown roster. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I thought that this was a not not like a like a coming out party for, for Daniel Bryan, but kind of like showing everyone, hey, he can still go. Yeah. Um and I and I really, really enjoyed the fact that they they allowed him to get so much time here and they actually I mean more underrated than that, Big E got a chance to show as a solo that right. he can really go. And um I, I really, 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 really enjoy that that gauntlet match. I, I have to kind of be a prisoner of the moment in my runner-up here, though. Talk about it. Uh, I, I really have to say that uh, Charlotte Oscar from the 11th of this very month is my runner-up for match of, uh, SmackDown Live TV match of the year. I know that. Can we just go ahead and spoil your your winner? Yeah, because it's my it's my match yeah, of the year on it's, SmackDown. It's, it's my your SmackDown match Live. Smackdown. Yeah. Um, listen, Charlotte and Oscar just work. Uh huh. Absolutely. Just, it's just a combination that works. It's we saw it at WrestleMania and sort of the build of WrestleMania to me. But Oscar's in the ring. Charlotte decides she's going up another level uh-huh. be- because just in her movements in the ring, and and I said this on a couple episodes ago. Just her movements in the ring, the way she's approaching this match is different than the way she approaches a match against maybe a Lana or a or a or a Natalia or anything like that. She just approaches a difference because she just knows this is going to be a physical match. And it's more, it's less, um, it's less about the wrestling and more just like edging and trying to get the edge to, you know, in the match and the victory and things like that. They're just like, uh, I forgot what it's called. There's usually a term for it, but they're really just <laughs> edging for, yeah, yeah, I, you know, my brain, um, <laughs> it's been two hours. Um, but they're just like, Jockeying for position in this, they match. beat the shit. Let this just be clear: they beat the shit out of each other in this match. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a match that came towards the end of the year, and there are other, you know, um, contenders as well. But the Charlotte Oscar match, man, I even like the way. I wasn't even mad at how it ended. No, it like, had to end that way. Yeah, I wasn't even mad at how it ended because it's, it's continuing. You know, Charlotte sort of she can't really stand losing. She doesn't know how to treat losing anymore after so much demoralizing victories to Becky Lynch. And it showed Oscar was a threat to her. Yeah. Yeah. Oscar's still a threat. At any time, Oscar can be Oscar. And I think that's what we kind of learned from this match. Uh, my my SmackDown Live TV match of the year is uh Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles from the 18th of November. WWE uh, Championship on the, the line. WWE championship match that that kind of uh Got us to where we are with Daniel Bryan today. This was a match that had no near falls. Um, mm. A match that literally from, from bell to bell was just straight wrestling and holds and counters and, oh, my God, like all types of, of really great, you know, athletic things from both men. And, I, you know, everyone remembers this for the heel turn, but I just remember it for everything that it did correct as far as kind of showing both characters – wanting to be the best and and i think they had they had been kind of hinting at the fact that you know uh aj and brian were kind of in this competitive role and where it's yeah. like I, I just want to be the best and you know it's not really about good guys or bad guys right but the, the fact that the turn happened at the end kind of 
when you're not thinking of it as, you know, you knew the term was going to happen because no one knew what the term was going to happen. When you're thinking of it as a straight wrestling match, it just works. Yeah. And then when you think of it with the turn, it just makes it way better. So um, I think there were very few matches that did that this year. And I think that just Daniel Bryan is just such a great fucking wrestler. I, I'm, I'm really in it. And it kind of upsets me that, you know, it, he didn't really end up in our wrestler of the year conversation because it was just too late before it kind of turned up to that point. I mean, but, he could very well be in it for 2019. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, we, we talk about like people like Dan Bryan, you know, being in contention for that. But it's like these last three months, he could have got there, you know. Yeah. But I think all of his matches this year were just so great and so different. And this was just another example of that he could have big time uh, championship matches or he could have a, a big time Hoss match against him and, 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 and uh, Brock Lesnar. And it just worked for me. Yeah. I mean, he's still one of the best wrestlers in the world. AJ Styles, amazing championship reign. Um, I think just the atmosphere of it all in terms of just like the anything can happen. This is the show before Survivor Series. This is the last show before Survivor Series. Typically, this doesn't happen in the WWE where a championship changes hands. Literally, the show before the pay-per-view where the championship matters in this instant. So it kind of changed a lot of different things. I think the atmosphere, I think the aggression from Daniel Bryan and the aggression from AJ Styles made this match and it's just to me another great match on smackdown live like yeah. it, you you get those matches um uh harder harder to find matches on this next show <laughs> yeah uh the, the raw you know what it's not that they're not there but it's just there's so much other stuff yeah going on just around it that it yeah it's just it's tough. Sully's, yeah, it's so easy, but I think it's pretty much easy for us too. Um, we we had for our runner ups, we literally had three choices to get the right answer, and we picked the same match, but don't put on different dates. Um, right. My well, runner- maybe you felt some way that day, and I felt <laughs> some way this day. <laughs> um, this I, I for my runner up, I picked Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins on March the twelfth of on, on Raw. That's Point Mania. Yeah, pre the pre Mania match, uh, right before the three the uh, triple threat uh, match at Mania, uh, just I mean, there isn't really much to say there. I think Rollins and Balor have excellent chemistry. That's why they ran this match back like four times. Over oh the yeah, year. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I mean, not much there to say. It was a great match. I, I think Finn Balor is really good at having great matches with pretty much anybody, and he's proven it this year. He's had great matches with Braun Strowman. I, I think he gave Braun one of his best matches since he's been in the main roster. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Finn and Seth, I mean, same, the same thing with them. They, they have really great matches together. Would you, would you pick Mills? I picked, yeah, I picked the April 30th encounter um, for the intercontinental championship and it closed the show. I think this was, I think to me, I like this a little bit more because in terms of what was on the line, um, it was the intercontinental championship. It wasn't WrestleMania, you know, it wasn't WrestleMania implications on the line to me. This was just a straight up, like, I'm trying to fight you for this championship. Um, the end, I mean, to me, I think it's enough said. I think we all said it in the beginning anyway, but this match is just the a war of attrition between both guys and the way it sort of ended up, a, a curb stomp. I mean, it's... Didn't he bring... He, he, was, he had started bringing it back. At that yeah, point. he started bringing it back. It's just, I don't know. This is... It's just good. Yeah. It's just good no matter what. These two have had matches on and off for pretty much the past three years now. Two years, three years since that SummerSlam match. And 
these guys just know how to bring it. These yeah, guys absolutely. just know how to bring it against each other. Uh, our match of the year, we, we again <laughs> picked the same match, uh, same date this time. Yes. Uh, we, we picked the, the Raw Gauntlet uh, with Seth Rollins, basically his, his, his crowning as, as the man on Raw that night. Uh, it happened on February 19th, 2018. Uh, a two-hour-long match with Seth Rollins going against Roman Reigns, John Cena. Uh, who, who else was on that shit? I, I literally just watched it. So it was, let's see, hold on. Um, it's been a long show. It's been a long. I show. didn't. I actually didn't watch it yet. It's on my queue, but I know how long it is, so I haven't actually, you know, watched watched it. Um, I know there was. It was John Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins opened it up. Yeah, and then Seth Seth versus John Cena. Uh, then you had Seth and Miz, I believe. I think it was. I want to say yes. Miz was in it. Yes. Yeah, Elias was also in it at some point. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, really great match. I mean, we're not going to get into specifics here. Everybody knows this is a great fucking match. Um, Seth Rollins, again, I mean, there's a reason why uh, Meals uh, named him as his wrestler of the year. I took him to task for that a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, there's a reason why it's here. I mean, Seth Rollins pretty much took over the game in the first half of 2018, and this match was proof that he was he was really going to have a large, large uh, hand in everything that was going on good with Raw that, uh, this year. Weirdly enough, the second hour of this match, I'm looking up the statistics now, was one of the most viewed hours on Raw of the entire year. Um, I mean, just to you look at this match as we're watching it live. I'm watching it live, at least. I'm just like, how long can this match really go? And it was really that John Cena versus Seth Rollins thing where both guys were really trying to go the distance. I think they had to sort of was this WrestleMania implicate. I think it was more so like. Whoever wins this match, I feel like entered last in the elimination chamber, I yes. want to say. Um, so it was John Cena trying to sort of stake his claim at a WrestleMania main event and really trying to get back there. But it was also Seth Rollins being like, listen, I'm also Seth Rollins. You will never downplay me. I'm incredible. Like this is he just did everything that they could have done. And it's this match will just kind of be just the rebirth of what Seth Rollins is the kind of the starting point of my point of why I made him match, you know, wrestler of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's get into female wrestler of the year and let's close out the first half of our year in special um, female wrestler of the year. This is going to be tested, hotly debated in a lot of ways uh, category. I, there's a lot of people that I, I could have put in the, in these in these situations. I I got to do a, a a runner runner up maybe, but my runner up for this year female wrestler of the year is Shayna Baszler. I I see you on that. I do. Yeah. I I I think a lot of people had absolutely no faith in Shayna Baszler coming into 2018. I think that she not only became such a great badass heel on the show. She improved in the ring. She improved as a champion, which is hard to do, especially with the hour TV and you're not on TV every single week. Um, I think her wrestling is sound. I think her matches with Kyrie Sane were amazing. Her matches with Nikki Cross were fucking amazing. I think that she took the literally took the brass ring in NXT and really made herself uh, to me a top five, if if not top three, female act on the brand ever. This year, I think she really took it to the next level. I love Shayna Baszler as a, as a performer. She's had some of the best matches, I think, of, of any woman this year. 
she deserves to be recognized as a uh, female wrestler of the year this year. I, I really liked everything she did. I can't say the same for Shayna Baszler. <laughs> I just can't. I don't know. There's something about it that still isn't fully clicking for me just as a competitor. She's just kind of seems like, I think a lot of her, the aura of her is just like, yeah, she's a dick. She's an asshole. Um, but to me, in terms of just like, to me, there's so many diff- better workers of it. And I say that her matches wouldn't have been as good as they were if it were not for the people included in them. And I'll just go off of that statement right there. When you talk about a Ember Moon, when you talk about a Kyrie saying, and, and a lot of it's Kyrie saying actually, but you talk about those sort of matches. I think those sort of matches don't happen if they, if, if she doesn't have these great opponents. Now, in terms of my runner up, my runner up is Charlotte Flair. Well, I can't say that. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. No, I mean, we can debate, but my Charlotte Flair is my runner up. And I think in any other year, I think honestly, if what happened at SummerSlam didn't happen, she might have been just the winner, honestly. Considering the matches that she's had, I mean, she had a great match with Asuka, that amazing match with Becky. Um, her character just kind of evolving, her character kind of changing. To me, she's more she's been more assured of what Charlotte Flair is and who Charlotte Flair is in the ring and on the mic and everything like that in this year. I think just because she's had to take a she's had to take a step back at various points of the year because of various injuries or, you know, surgeries. Surgeries or things like that. She's able to get a look of the the sort of the environment that she's in and see how she fits in it. And I'm, I feel like she's more sure that she's Charlotte Flair more than any other point ever in her career. Yeah. Um, I, I think, like you said, any other year, she, she would probably have won this. Um, there was a stiff competition, so to speak, on, on all sides uh, of, of this, you know, this year. I, I, I always say Charlotte to me has two match of the year contenders straight up. Yeah, uh, and and that's that's that goes without saying. She's got two match year con- contenders, top five matches for me this year. Uh, Oscar Charlotte, absolutely. Uh, Becky Charlotte, uh, the last woman standing match, absolutely. I, I would not be mad if you put them anywhere. Um, but to go back to the to Shannon Baszler, man, like if you say that about Shannon Baszler, that it's it's about the people she's in the ring with, you could also say that about Charlotte because Charlotte literally scales down to her opponent. And with me, with Shayna Baszler, like Shayna's always consistent on a level where she's at least giving you a three and a half to four star match every single time, no matter who the opponent is. Uh, I mean, she hasn't had that many matches to me for, I mean, she's been on every takeover. I've seen, she's been on, but that's four takeovers. That's more than four takeovers. That's more than four takeovers. That's, she's been on, I mean, well, yes, I'm talking about in this year, but that's like four takeovers out of the year. In my opinion, you look at I've I've seen Charlotte Flair have a good match against Carmella. I've seen Charlotte Flair have a great match. What match against, was that? That was the match when she had to qualify to enter that SummerSlam match, and it was actually a really good match. And if you go back to the show, both of you, both you and I, said this was one of Carmella's best performances, and this was also Charlotte Flair, one of Charlotte Flair's best performances. But for half the year, for a while. but for half the year, Charlotte had the yips. And I think for half the year when Charlotte had those yips, Shayna Baszler was right there still having great fucking matches on TV and in takeovers. But like I I know like I know we're I know you're not saying that I, I picked a bad choice. I'm just kind of like debating the fact that you're saying that Shayna is only as good as her her opponents. 
I still think that. I really don't think she's at the le- she's at the level it's yet so where it's like. No, I think Charlotte level Charlotte Flair is at that level where she can have good matches with most people. And and I'll say uh, Nate, this. what about that? What about that iconics match from a month ago? The iconics. All right, don't make me diss the iconics because. <laughs> No, I'm just saying, Charlotte. If, if Charlotte's so good, she should bring the Iconics up to their level, right? That was the first match she ever had against the Iconics. No, it wasn't. I don't know when they when they debuted. When they debuted, she had another shitty match against them. That's the first time they've ever met in a long time. No, I after WrestleMania, say, I can't say. I can't say. I can't say. Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Sane haven't been doing matches on whatever loops they've been for as long as they have. That's the nature of the business, though. Like That's you, the nature. I, I understand. Getting... I understand that. But this is the these are the matches you're counting. You're counting these takeover matches. Like Charlotte Flair for me. Is yes, Dakota she's Kai had matches. Dakota Kai. She had the. I like that one Dakota Kai match. <laughs> and I think a lot of the Dakota Kai matches is to me. I'm I'm a stand for Dakota Kai. So it's just I I think it's you know Dakota Kai's character in terms of being afraid and having to sort of overcome that is a lot of what make those matches work in my opinion um but charlotte flair is just you know she had a, she had another decent to good match at what did that it was fast lane against um what's her face um yeah. i forgot her name uh she's in not absolution the other one why do I only remember Absolution as a pay? <laughs> only the Riot Squad, Ruby Riot, Ruby Riot, yeah, Ruby Riot, Ruby Riot. Another match, another heavy, you know, back and forth match. Ruby's really good. <laughs> Ruby's alright. Ruby's alright. Ruby's really good. No, no, she's actually good. Don't don't. Let, I'm, I'm, bugging. Like, I'm bugging. It's been a it's been a couple hours. It's been a couple <laughs> hours. My brain just kind of like farted out. All right, um, all right, all right. Let, let's you know what you know. People are probably gonna shit on my Shannon Baser pick. I'm pretty sure. I'm ready for the heat. Go ahead. I'll argue with you guys all day. Uh, our 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 unanimous female wrestler of the year uh, is Becky Lynch, of course. Um, I, I I think before we explain that, uh, why didn't you pick Ronda? And I'll talk about why I didn't pick Ronda. I didn't pick Ronda because she, to me, in terms of just the story with Ronda, it just, it's not that her matches haven't been good. It's just in terms of the total package, she's just not there yet. Like in terms of just everything sort of clicking all at once, she had a great match at WrestleMania. Don't get me wrong. And I think even her Nia Jax match earlier in the year was a good match. Um, I forgot where her SummerSlam match was. It was against Alexa Bliss. But I just think Alexa Bliss. I don't think it just it hasn't. She hasn't had the slappers that fucking Becky and Charlotte and maybe even Shayna have. Um, I think a lot of people. Were, I think a lot of it was the oh my god, she's actually doing but it. But I did consider her. <laughs> I did consider her. I did consider Ronda. She's top five. I I I think. Uh, around maybe Money in the Bank ish, I think she might have been like running away with it to me. Yeah, like she she was clearly running away with 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 the with the uh, with the the female wrestler of the year distinction because that Nia Jax match was really really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I and then Becky happened, <laughs> and and then Charlotte happened again. And uh, you also you always you always have to talk talk about NXT or think about NXT and these things too. So evolution happened with, with Shayna and Shayna and Kyrie. Um, who is Kyrie? Once again, one of my top fives in in this ranking as well. I would put Ronda as number five, honestly. 
I would say number four, maybe number four between her and Kyrie. I would probably say maybe number four, five and four. I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I I think that, but it isn't because she isn't good. It's because so, to me, there's people who are just better. Yeah, absolutely. And she's going to get better. And I think you look at it next year, she'll probably be female wrestler of the year. If Becky's not the, like, I think the heel turn will uh, determine that. Yeah, because I think people are getting really not as enthralled with her as a face. Just because they gave her, to me, the championship came very, very quickly. Right. Uh, and and I think that that took a lot of the, let's see her grow. Let's see her have these battles. Let's see her have these encounters. Um, she's not really having that. She's not really fighting for anything. She's kind of just like defending the fact that, yes, I am Ronda Rousey. And this is what I do, whereas everyone's trying to downplay her because she's also Ronda Rousey and that she's not really from this world. Right. So I think I think a major thing and it, yeah, it's, it's it's weird that a major thing that stopped her from being, you know, a woman's wrestler of the year was because she got the title. But to yeah, me, I, it hasn't been an amazing it hasn't been an amazing run to me. Yeah. Yeah, now you're you're watched with a different set of eyes, the championship eyes, where it's just like, well, how great is your reign? How great are you making your opponents? Are you making your opponents anything? Uh, granted, she's also on a roster that you know doesn't seem to have the women who probably would make her look like a million bucks um, as top priority. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. Uh, um, so it's kind of just like. You know, she's going in these matches against, you know, she's had a match. She had a very, she had, she main evented against Alicia Fox. Um, and that's no, that's no shot to Alicia Fox, but imagine a main event against a Bailey or a Sasha or you just anyone else you call up. Um, it just works that way. So it's kind of, she's also a victim of circumstance as well. But, yeah. Because our actual winner happened. And listen, there is, no one, male, female, alien, whatever, who has captivated the people since August as much as Becky Lynch has. Um, there was a moment after SummerSlam that you and I did a show and we talked about where she was going to go for at least 45 minutes. Yeah. And then we did it the next week. And then we did it the week after that. And then a month after that. And then, have you watched her WWE Chronicle? I'm going to watch that before TLC tonight. I haven't right. had a chance to watch it yet. It's really, really good. Um, this is a character. This is a character that is, in all the right ways, a real character that elicits real reactions. That has men, women, children, and adults behind her, undis- undisputedly, unabashedly. She is the hottest thing in the WWE, and as much as we've been concerned week to week. As much as we've been worried that it was gonna it was gonna turn out the the wrong way or the right way, she is her character is overcome, and I, I think generally and and sorry to cut you off, but a lot of it's real. Yeah, I think a lot of it's genuinely real. This hasn't been something that's just kind of came out of nowhere. I think Becky has been advocating that she doesn't even want to be she doesn't even want to be known for having you know the best women's match on the show. She wants to be have the best match on the show. It doesn't. She wasn't want to have first time for a woman doing this. She just wants to be first time doing that. I've I've heard interviews like that since April. I've heard interviews like that. So when she she talks about it in this WWE Chronicle of like the the story eventually when she's like I think I'm gonna start calling myself the man, 
it mm-hmm. comes from a real place because it's just like, you know, she was saying about, you know, it's not a man in terms of gender. And I think that gets lost in a lot of people. It's the man of just like, you say you got to beat the man to be the man. Well, I am the man. And, you know, there could be a woman at a Fortune 500 company who is the man there. And it's, it's it's less about gender and more about just where they rank them, where they hold themselves. And a lot of it is her understanding that she helped a lot of people over these years become better, but it didn't work out for her. And a lot of that aggression has been brought into this role. And that's why there's such an authentic flavor and there's an authentic vibe to this Becky Lynch character and where it's going thus far. Even when it comes to Twitter, even when it comes to in the ring, even when it comes to on the mic, there's just something real and you understand it and you 100% root for Becky. That's why people couldn't boo her. People mm-hmm. have not booed her. They wanted her to boo her at the beginning. They just can't. But, uh, it's a testament to WWE that uh, they stayed the course in a lot of ways after a small, you know, a very, very small um, kind of course correction. And we were concerned about that. You know, we were like, you know, mm-hmm. we, 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 we don't know if, if they did the right thing with that first promo and they did. And then they, they turned everything around for her. And, you know, a lot of, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit Becky hasn't had a stellar in ring year. She, in fact, was in pretty much invisible for the first half of the year. Yeah. We didn't even know who she was or where she was. She I can't was remember a match. I can't remember. I remember she came in <clears throat> when the right squad came in. I know she was a part of that. But other than that, I can't really say anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it just a just a strange, you know, it, it was it was a strange year for her up and down year. But after August, you couldn't you, there, there wasn't a there wasn't a single fucking person who loves wrestling in the world that didn't have her name on their on their breath whether it be good or bad you look at moments like my god the the invasion that she had um when, when she invaded raw the, bl- the bloody face that's the shit that we watch this for and it might not have been the men this year that kept ca- that, that that really captivated us as much as it's been the women but becky just as a superstar as a wrestler is I I'd go I'd go ahead and say she is like more more than just wrestler of the year more than just female wrestler of the year she is literally the culture of pro wrestling right now like she she's is the man she's, she's the, the man. man she's the it's, man she's the cola personality here and and you know it, she's been able to have the matches to back it up and she's just proven it she's really just proven it and brought it every single time 2019 really it's her year I think you look at where she where she could potentially go having her you know, get to the, to WrestleMania and have that match with, with Ronda Rousey, it's going to be really important. And I think it's going to be really important to see if they're going to do that. And if they're going to pull that off the, uh, next year, because I really think that's something that we all want to see. But as for right now, female wrestler of the year, hands down. Becky Lynch, Mo Becky. Mo Absolutely. Bomba. So uh, those were just a, a few of our categories this year for our year. And next week, we're going to have a lot more friends of the show coming at you with their uh their specific categories um gonna be another long show but it'll be it'll be after christmas so you guys i'm pretty sure will have the time to listen and we thank you guys once again for listening to the show uh we won't be there for you guys on christmas day so uh you know happy holidays to all of you um and you know be safe out there it's it's, it's christmas right. but there's still a lot of a lot of crazy fans out there and shit I yeah. think are there crazy fans on Christmas? 
Uh, <laughs> things on Christmas. Do you, do you tell people uh, to be safe on Christmas? Um, I tell people to be safe all the time because I'm from New York. Oh um, Lord! <laughs> <laughs> so it's be safe though, one hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, um. So yeah, it, listen. Have a merry and safe Christmas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we'll be back with you for our special holiday episode of the HR, the last half of our year end, where we will be talking about uh, just basically everything that uh, our match of the year specifically uh, uh, next episode. So uh, until next week for meals, I'm Justin. We're the king of pro wrestling podcasts. We are the voices of the voiceless. Uh, you've been listening to the A show. Happy holidays, everybody. Merry Rusev Day. That was good. That was a good one.